All German. Jordan? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello? Sorry, ah. I think I... Am I on mute? Oh. Was I muted? Uh, I didn't hear for a while. I think I'm hearing you back now. Could you say something? Oh, sorry. Ah. I think I did press the mute ah. on my phone <laughs> by accident. Man, I freaked out for a second. I was like, damn, these headphones were half an hour into it and I fucked it up. <laughs> it was a bit like therapy. You know, like when you therapy, I don't know if I ever did therapy, but sometimes like <laughs> you talk is something and then like your therapist doesn't answer anything. And you just keep going, uh -huh. and then he, they still oh, don't yeah. say anything, and then you just keep going, and then like you, you're like very deep into <laughs> <laughs> <to> some subject. <laughs> I wonder if I would have just kept on mute if you'd been like, and then actually it all comes down to my mother, yeah. and you know the feelings that she gave me as a child. <laughs> All right, Mr. Mo Sefanilis Batshida. Sefanilis? Sefanilis Batshida. Never heard that name before. Well, your mother never told you what your middle name is, but <laughs> I hate to break it to you. It's Sefanilis, which sounds like an STD. Do you of. have a middle name, by the way? Louis. Louis. L-O-U-I-S, yeah. It's my, my mother's father's name, which is, I like that I'm named after someone on her side of the family, But it's interesting because her side of the family, like her parents, I, I don't really remember, which is kind of sad because apparently they were really good people. Okay. Like my mom's dad um, was in World War II and he was like kind of a whiskey guy and they had five kids together. And um, uh, from what I've been told, like all these great stories from my mom and stuff that my grandfather on that side, Louis was just a really cool, like humble, quiet, very thin, frail kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And that her mother was kind of like the, the housewife, houseworker, mother, raiser. You would imagine in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, I mean, I guess so my mom was born in 63 and she was the last one. So let's see, let's see, her nearest a sibling is her sister, Anne. And that was in 16 years before. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's crazy. So she's like kind of what my baby sister is to me. By the way, quick shout out because this little girl has got her sixth birth date, birthday today. Six years old. Well, alles Gute zum Geburtstag. Happy birthday. That's so nice, man. But yeah, they had this, this gap as well. I didn't even ask you last week if... Um, Maybe it's too personal, but I didn't ask if your if your sister was an accident. No, but I was. You were the accident. Because you're the first. Well, the first one, I guess that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I know, a lot, I know a lot of families where the first one is the accident, but usually when you have a gap that big, it's kind of just like an unplanned thing. I, I don't think my mom was an accident, but I can't imagine that they were um, really planning like 16 years later. Like they, they were pretty old when they had her. Yeah, but for me it was the other way around because my parents were super young when they had me. My mom was 21 when she got me. Right. And That's so right. she was she was <coughs> 38, 39 when she got my my baby sister. That's that's pretty lucky, actually. Well, 39 is not that old these days. That's true. I mean, 39 isn't old in general, but like for having kids, that's considered for a lot of women to be kind of a risky time to do it. 
But um, I guess that's all really changing a lot these days. Like you always hear about people who are, I mean, I don't know, I guess like, I don't know how old certain people are, but you hear a lot about, a lot of, you hear about a lot of actors and certain people who are, um, you know, people who have their careers now more important than like this traditional building a family thing. And then they just have kids like in their fifties yeah, or something, you know, at least men. <laughs> yeah. The men for sure. Maybe probably with women who are in their late thirties or something like that. Yeah. I mean, because uh, yeah. 39, as far as I know, and I might have to cut this afterwards, but we can um, keep on this. Um, it was already a, a struggle for my mom with 39. Was it like, um, so, she, so she really wanted to have your baby sister. Yeah. And was it, so they started trying for a year or something or how did it work out? Um, or do you know wait, I'll, I'll set another marker before, because we definitely have to cut this out, but we can keep on the conversation. Okay. So just, you know, but I guess that's super personal. Um, my mom had two or three. Um, miscarriages. Yeah. Miscarriages oh before she had my sister. Okay. And she had That's a awful, huge man. breakdown about it, et cetera, et cetera. But then luckily, um, she, she got my, my baby sister. Term. And from from day one of this pregnancy, this child has been super healthy to the day. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, but, but so that's what I... Well, what I know from that, that 39 can already be a, a big struggle. Yeah, for sure. I guess, I guess it depends. How old is your dad now? My dad is now 47. So he's only two years older than your mom. Mm. So he was forty-one when he had when you had your sister. No, she was thirty-nine when she had my sister. Yeah, but your dad was forty-one, right? Um, he's two years older because your mom would be forty-five he's now. Three years older. Three years older. Okay, okay. Yeah, but he man, was born in, in seventy-three, and she was born in seventy-six. Okay, okay. Yeah, my parents were sixty-one and sixty-three. Interesting thing there too is that my. My parents, like when you said that you were born, that's the year my parents got married. So my mom was 19, fresh out of high school, and my dad was 21. When they got married. When they got married. And it's cool, too, because they met on a blind date. Like some friends had set okay. them up, and then they were dating. And um, there was always some issues with my dad's parents, and both of them would have plenty of stories. I'm not really like breaking news here. Um, it was a very complicated relationship with his parents always. Um, but yeah, and it's a shame too, because it was really only about the most pointless things ever, which come down to, you know, money or this vision of class or materialism yeah. or whatever. Like his parents were super messed up. And, um, we, I, th I would say like the only really, like they were good grandparents, but only kind of for a while. Like when, when I was really young, I didn't notice the problems. And then when I got into being a teenager, I noticed like these weird sort of like, these really tiny things between him, like my dad and them, and then with the, my mom and them. And then I would see it like throughout, he has two sisters and they have their own myriad of issues, which you could just talk about for, yeah, I mean, you could, you could make your own podcast about all the different issues that they go through, but Anyway, besides the point, welcome to the show, guys. <laughs> hello, 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 hello. No. We just jumped we right in on a, that one. We have a family mysteries episode at another point, maybe. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we did talk about um, potentially having like a mom special, which I think is a great idea, and we should do that. Yes, sir. To get your mom and my mom on an episode 
somehow, maybe through Zoom or something. Yeah. For all of you guys who are listening for the first time and probably because one of your friends has made you listen to it because yes. he wants to have a J Jordan Prince version of any song of his choice covered. <laughs> what a sentence. Um, our Both of our moms are regular listeners of this show, which is kind of funny and super cute and yeah. kind of awesome. Hi, Mom. I think. <laughs> Or do you... Have you, have you ever had a point where you found it weird that your mom listens to this? I think the first time that she... So the first time that she told me um, that she wanted to listen to the show and where should she start, I got a little bit nervous because the thing is, um, up until that point, I think this is episode 37, I guess, or, or so. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. And I think the first, you know, 20, I knew that she wasn't listening and I was completely free and open and like... Yeah. You know, and the thing is, I still am now, but I'm a bit more conscious of maybe where I can kind of guide myself a little bit. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know. But the first 20 episodes or so, I was just this like wide open thing and I was cursing as much as I wanted. And I was talking about stories from my past that, you know, maybe are, you know, embarrassing to her or embarrassing to me or something. But it was just this like free flowing thing. And... When she asked where should she start, I was kind of like, oh no, my mom is going to hear this show. <laughs> and so the first thing I did was I guided her to what I think is maybe our best like produced episode, our most professional episode in terms of like us with a guest, Yeah, which was the um, Ali episode. Ali Reza Golavshan. Yeah, I really love that one. Because, you know, we talked about th this amazing history with Iran and about his migration and about his filmmaking and uh, I find his story so and we interesting. we had a little history part on it. Do you remember that? Absolutely, man. Like we did this whole history section and he's such an interesting guy and I really loved doing that episode. And so I said, you know, let's start with that one. And then she wrote me back basically like two hours later. Like I guess she would have just listened to it and then okay. wrote me back. And she said that she was so impressed with how professional it was. Like, I, I don't know what she expected and I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to expect either if I didn't listen to it before, but she was so like, I guess she was just so happy that we did it, did the interviews like yeah. the way that we do them. And then she just went off. Then she listened to, you know, Basti's and she listened to Vivi and she listened nice. to David and she listened to Matt Austin and she listened to uh, Marco Mori and she went through Miko and Kobe Grant and she listened to everybody. And then she She just kept listening, and she's listened now to every single episode. That's crazy. Which is so great, man. I, I love that, yeah, and I'm so thankful cute. that she... I think it's a really nice way to show my mom a part of my life that she didn't know, first off. Yeah, and especially a form of, I would guess, information and um, storytelling from your side, because something you you might miss in your everyday life because you live a few thousand miles apart. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she doesn't I know my everyday world here in Germany. And I think it's a really nice, I think it's two things. I think it's a great way for her to learn about all these different cultures because, you know, she hasn't traveled so much no. um, yet. And I think it's a really good way for her to learn about how these people got to where they are. I particularly know that she was really interested in Vivi's story. Because Vivi's story is super interesting, and I think she really loved to know that someone so close to me had this kind of journey. She learned yeah. about her, you know, and that's so nice that she learned about one of my best friends. Um, and the second thing is, I think it's a good chance for her to spend time with me every week. You know, does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 
Because I can't. That's kind of what I, what I wanted to say, but didn't yeah. know how to how to phrase it. Yeah. Because I can't travel right now. I can't travel this year. Yeah. You know, they had to cancel. They were going to fly here this year. I was going to also fly True, there. You told me about it. Yeah. My brother was going to fly here with yeah. his with his husband, and it was just going to be a really busy year seeing everybody, and then it all fell through. So I think maybe the podcast became a way for her to spend time with me on her drives, or maybe even at home with her headphones or something. Yeah. And, I think that's really that's sweet. Awesome, it makes me like really admire her. And it, like, I, I don't know the last few years I've just grown. Maybe she's listening to this one, but uh, mom, if you are, I've just grown so much respect, like that you, you know, that you have gotten into the show and that you want to spend time with me this way. And I think it's really sweet. So I love that. Hi, mom. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my mom. I love you too. Hey, Mo's mom. I love you too. Then we we <laughs> we got back to to our moms and talked about them for quite a while. Um, that represents representation um is totally fair. Um, but we wanted to get on another point, mm. which is I think it's just like you mean like how how it's been the last week or so with all this new all this new crap that I've had to go through. <laughs> Or did you want to talk about the special it's, guest we have later? Sp- um, I also obviously also want to talk about our special guest we have um, on this show today. But first of all, I want to talk about Jordan Prince. Oh, Making man. his driver's license for the second time. Let me tell you, the last, the last week or so has been pretty, like, pretty rough. And just in terms, it's just been very... I don't know when you get dumped with all this responsibility and that responsibility is dipped in a foreign language and it's all this bureaucratic systematic um, complicated structures that you don't get and you have to rely on other people to help you with it and it feels so emasculating and you feel so insecure and so alone with it it's just such a such a roller coaster man and um, I think it really kind of kicked off yesterday. So basically, I finally went to a driving school in Munich and I laid down like 500 euros up front <laughs> for the, um, the lessons that I will be taking. Yeah. So basically, like, I went into this driving school and I asked the lady, um, hey, I've, I've been here before. I've talked to you guys. Can I, like, do you still have openings for October for classes? Yeah. And she was like, nope, all signed up. <laughs> I was like, great. I was like, Do you still have lessons for November? And she's like, we haven't created them yet. So no, like they don't exist yet. Oh, I was like, okay, shit. And I said, um, well, can I, can I like sign a contract to like sign, to like register for this? Yeah. And she's like, well, absolutely. And then she, she had me sign some things and then she gave me like a certificate And then she said, oh, well, you already have your, like, emergency care certificate and your eye test, right? Uh, I was like, I didn't know that you had to do that. No, I don't have that already. She said, oh, okay. Well, you're going to go to this building. Um, They have their hours available online. It's going to be 70 euros. You can do the eye test there. It's going to be 7 euros on top of that. And uh, it lasts, um, you know, seven and a half hours. It's a whole day. So make sure you put a whole day away for it. And I'm there just like stabbing my eye with a pen because I hate all of this. And then she says, and then when you have that certificate, then you come back here and then you, 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 you sign like this, I don't know, four or five page contract with all these personal information and everything. 
and you give all this to the driving authority of Munich or of Germany or whatever. And then as that goes in, that takes six to eight weeks to be approved. And in that time, you could theoretically come here to take the lessons, the 14 mandatory theory yeah. lessons that I have already taken because I already had a license before. Um, but I have to do it, and it's in German, which is great. So you have great. to do it because that's the, the thing I wanted to, to touch on. Yeah. You already have a driver's license yeah. from the U.S., and you're not allowed to drive with it in Germany. That's, that's the, the, the backstory. But yeah. do you still have to do the whole program, or do you get any kind of, I don't know, they'd say, okay, you already have had a driver's license for this long in another country, just do three hours of theories and, I don't know, six of driving or something. Right. Here's, well, here's where I messed up, because I... I went there before last year, but then I, I don't know, just to be quite, quite honest, I probably just got too lazy and too nervous about it, and I backed off. And then this year, we got really serious about it, but by the time I had gone there, my American driver's license had expired. Ah, dang. So then the woman said, well, in the eyes of Germany, it's as if you've never driven at all, and you have to take all the classes again. Uh -huh, and I went, great. Dang. So that's 14 hours of theory. If it wouldn't have been expired, you had... She would have made it much easier. Okay. Yeah, it would have been like you said. It would have been probably just a few driving courses and yeah. then just transferring some some shit over. Um, and to have, I have to take from scratch. I have to take fourteen theory lessons in person at the driving school. <laughs> and like she said, they're all full. So she said, That's "What, what you she can, said. what you can do for October <laughs> is you can come early in the morning and wait in line and hope that someone doesn't show up." What? I was like. What? Great, you know, fantastic. Okay, okay, because I or I can wait till November. I have a German uh, driving license, but I did not. Um, I made it on the countryside in Oberstdorf, not in a big city, and because th this is something easier, that, right? that that shocks me. Yeah, it easier in terms of they don't tell you to come early to wait there and hope that you might take part in classes that right. you've already had in your life, right? I have because to fight for shit perverted. that I already know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's messed up. Yeah, and you still got to do it because you want this shit. Because I have lessons. to do it. Like, yeah. I have to do it. That's so, how Germany works. Yeah, they love... <laughs> I, I keep telling people, <laughs> like, might. Germany loves paperwork. Yeah. They, they love it. And they love rules. And they it's love just, rules. They love um, insurances. They, they're just fees. beating me down with it right now. Yeah, so, so I have to take all those lessons. And then finally after that, I have to take, I think it's like nine or 12 hours of driving which is just yeah, insane yeah. it's like i mean of course i'm i'm happy to take lessons on the autobahn and to take lessons at night in munich because that is something that i need to get more comfortable with i'm not so comfortable with like and you everything driven the car in a, in a while obviously i haven't driven a car in a while um only since like I, i drove a lot last year but that's a year ago and i drive a little bit with um the car that we have but only like you know getting it from yeah in the garage out yeah, around yeah. the corner a little bit. And then, you know, then we change over or whatever. Um, but the good thing is I can do most of the exercises in English just because I was really fighting that. I don't want to be in a car with someone telling me stop here, turn here, go straight three blocks, whatever, whatever in German. Cause that would get okay. too much anxiety. Okay. You know, if it's like, and they, they have people who do it in English. Yeah. Cause I was thinking if I'm on like the Audubon, Yeah. And I'm going, I don't know, 180 kilometers an hour or whatever, whatever it is, even more. They, my, my, my driving teacher made me um, get everything out of the car I could 
when we were on the autobahn. So it went like 250 yeah. um, kilometers per hour. Okay, let's say, let's say, for example, that my little bean of a car can go like 200. Yeah. Then I don't want to be going 200 down the autobahn. But you don't get, do it with your own car in Germany, you know that. Right, right, <laughs> it's with their car. Right, right, I keep forgetting. Um, in America, it's only your own yeah, car. Yeah, I know. Uh, so let's say I'm in their car and it goes like 250. Then I don't want them to tell me like, okay, next exit, turn right. You got to slow down here. Make sure to watch the next three lanes turn over. Yeah, I don't yeah. want all that in German because yeah. I just, I'll get too nervous and I'll just freak out and I'll miss the test. Yeah. So if they tell me that calmly in English, then I can do it. Cause I mean, I drove the causeway in new Orleans for years and that is yeah. a fucking suicide drive. And yeah, I did so. it to go home every day. So you can do that, you know, and I can do so that. So you had your own car in New Orleans. Yeah, I had my own car since I was uh, 16. Okay. I had, well, actually, I've been through three, one, two, three, four. <laughs> I went through four cars, um, one of the, one of which I flipped and totaled, one of which I blew the engine out, and then we repaired it, and then we sold it, one of which uh, another friend was driving for me, and he totaled it, and then the last one I took good care of, and I sold it to have the money to come here. Ah, Nice. Yeah, so we destroyed three cars. I destroyed three cars <laughs> and then sold the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. But but yeah, so I did the whole yeah. German driving thing. And so that's all settled. But it was just a lot to take in for Monday morning. Yeah, but 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 um, you said Germans really love paperwork and they love uh, rules, like rules yeah. and insurance, et cetera, et cetera. They love it. And we already had this once because I think it says quite a lot about Germans that talking about rules, insurances, um, paperwork are, I would say, one of the top three to top five small talk topics. What do you mean? Like, that's just like chit chat in the elevator? Yeah, like, like, um, I told you this once before, like, imagine, imagine a barbecue party in mm -hmm. the garden and... This one guy comes up to the grill to where the, 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 the guy who's the host is. And he's like, he's flipping like, burger patties and yeah. wings. Like uh, in Germany, like, he's like you know, cracking a beer Wurst. coming up. You know, the guy's got the kiss the chef apron uh, on or whatever. Imagine that. Yeah. And this one guy comes up to, to, the, to the host at the grill. And this would be a small talk topic, like talking about rules, insurances, et cetera, paperwork, et cetera. That first off. That blows my mind. And second of all, <laughs> that disappoints me so much. There's so many more interesting things to talk about. You know, but I mean, at the same time that I'm I'm impressed. I, I mean, Germany has helped me grow up a lot. But then part of me at a certain point, like when I reach a certain level of, of understanding these things that I should have known years ago, I also start to go like, guys, come on. <laughs> Relax, you got it. You you're under control. Everyone has their rent paid and their insurance settled and their healthcare taken care of and they've got their like their taxes all settled and they've got their whatever their employment, uh, you know, like uh, uh, savings account. Everything's all done. Like you're all doing it already. Germans are yeah. already doing it. They're already planning ahead and stuff. No. So can't you just take those opportunities to just talk shit? <laughs> you know, just to like talk about a movie or talk about the the last game, like oh whatever, whatever. Soccer people. But so uh, um, <laughs> to to all of you German guys feeling offended right now. Obviously, this is a cliche. <laughs> of course it and is. And a lot of Germans also talk about 
in small talks about movies, music, etc., etc. Um, but course. it still can happen in a lot of cases, and I've experienced it, experienced it quite a lot. Um, and that's something I find super Which funny. Which is crazy because you're you're twenty one, two. You're twenty two, and I think at twenty two I had zero conversations about this which is not great i should have had a few but i had I'm zero sure it's great stuff. to have those and um i don't know it i just mean it happens pro- it probably would have been good for me to have like a few conversations about yeah. more mature things that i should have handled and i maybe should have listened to when those conversations happen <laughs> i mean it's my own fault too i know that yeah but I it's also this part of like whenever people get into this type of conversation about like the reality, like the things that this is going to sound a little bit Joe Rogany, but like the things that, that humans have said in order for their societies to work, like, you know, taxes, health insurance, yeah. education, whatever, whatever rent, um, whenever conversations aren't just there for the purpose of one person educating another because they're in need but instead they are there as part of an entertaining conversation is, you know, like you said, small talk. Yeah. Then for me, that's where I have to draw the line because yes, those things are important. They're, they're unnecessarily like they're unfortunately necessary is what I mean to say. They're unfortunately necessary that you have to have these conversations and you have to learn and you have to do them right because that's how life is lived. That's how you do it. But at the same time, when these conversations bleed into these moments of fun or when you're trying to entertain yourself and you're trying to like let go after a day of work, it's a Friday evening or whatever. And you work a, a standard, you know, Monday to Friday job and you're just trying to like enjoy yourself. Then I think for me, that's kind of, that's kind of like wasting your life a little yeah. bit. I'm, I'm such a big proponent of whenever there's a chance to appreciate being an actual breathing living organism yeah you know and like i've got my vision i'm thankful for it i'm I'm breathing every day i've got my i've got all my senses i've got all four limbs i'm 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 strong and i'm and i'm able and i'm interested and i think like when conversations aren't about just super interesting funny engaging things outside of being educated on what's important and that's where I just zone out completely. If someone yeah, would approach yeah, me yeah, and yeah. talk about this stuff, I would just completely zone out because I think I'm wasting my time talking to this guy. That's the point because because my um, I think about it like, yeah, I especially because I'm, I'm pretty young and I don't know that much about certain things like insurances and taxes. I don't have a deeper knowledge about about certain certain things there, <laughs> um, but. So I'm thankful for people who educate me in this because I, I might need it. Of course. But if I want to have this kind of conversation, I would ask someone. I'd say, hey, could you help me out with this? Because yeah, I you'd have seek no someone out. Plus, yeah. if you if I had to, br- to bring it down to one sentence, I already pay someone named a tax consultant right. to, to have a cons- conversation with about my taxes. Mm-hmm. So why should I do the same thing in my free time? If I already pay That's someone exactly to have those I mean. kind of... I pay someone to have those conversations. That's exactly and it's good and, I mean. it, and you need it, obviously. Yeah, of course. It's but essential. then I don't want to waste waste my, my, my free time with conversations about this. I completely agree. And I don't even know that 
that waste just now and even needed quotation marks around it because I yeah. think it is a waste. I think people have to learn how to separate the essentials of living in a society that have these rules so that you can get by and you can pay your rent and you can have a 401k and everything. You know, I'm, I'm not mocking it. It is, a, it is important. But at the same time, people always tend to forget that you're going, you could die any second. I could have a heart attack right now, man. And I know that I'm not living my best life. I mean, in terms of like, I'm not going out taking these big risks every day or, you know, like, I'm not trying to challenge my, 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 the, the fragility of my yeah. life. You know, I'm not, I'm not out there doing things like that. At the same time though, I'm, I'm very aware that each day that I wake up is kind of a miracle, like that I don't die in my sleep, that a meteor doesn't hit, that, you know, the second coming of Christ hasn't, <laughs> hasn't happened overnight. Like, I think you've seen too much cons- conspiracy YouTube No, videos. man, <laughs> like, no, but for real. But yeah, like, I, I see the point, yeah. I, I really, I really think that a lot of people who, are obsessed with the rules that humans have created in order yeah. to make a, 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 what do you call it? Like humans have created these rules to create like a harmonious society. Like we know the rules. We know what we have to do. There's tickets. If you don't do that, there's taxes so that you can support the city that funds the streets and funds the water system and all blah, 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 blah. But on top of that, life is extremely short. Yeah. It's really great if you can try and fall in love if you can do some things that are exciting, if you can appreciate your body and your youth and the sky. And it sounds a little bit hippy-dippy, but I mean, I think that's a really real thing people forget. Yeah. They obsess over mortgages and insurance and bills. And 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 I'm, I'm a, I love television and movies, but I also sometimes get into a funk where I think, oh my God, all I did yesterday was watch like seven hours of TV. Yeah. And then I feel like I've really wasted a day where I could have done something progressive. I could have created something or I could have just gone for a nice long walk and uh, felt the trees. And I don't know, but th- th- this is maybe I'm just going on a huge because, rant. Yeah, here. no, but, but um, to, to, to think so much only about man-made rules and mm-hmm. things, etc. Because yeah. if you think about it, it's fictional. This one German um, comedian and author has, I know if you might have heard of it. He has this this book series, um, the Kangaroo Chroniken. The Kangaroo Chronicles. It's kind of a, a funny story about a a communist kangaroo moving in with this guy, and they had a lot of little anecdotes about a communist um, kangaroo in Berlin. Wasn't that made into a movie? Yeah, exactly. Oh, Came okay. out this. Spring. I didn't see it, but I was one of the first movies who had his. Um, who had its, which had its um, release or premiere um, happen in a digital way because of Corona. Oh, okay. It would have been released on, I think, March 16 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they canceled everything and only brought it up online. But um, this guy in, this, in his book, this kangaroo has this one idea. Obviously, the kangaroo is a communist, but the kangaroo says, Debs. Like you call it debts, like owing someone money debts. Um, you just you don't say the B; it's just debts. Debts, okay. Mm-hmm. Like ima- debts are are a huge thing. Everyone has debts. You pay off a house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Companies have debts, but imagine if every single person on this planet would forget 
that there is such a thing as that, what would happen? Nothing. If every person on this planet forgot that there are deaths, nothing right. would happen. Does that bleed over into the idea of bills, you mean? Like paying things in general? Or like if I gave you 20 bucks and I forgot that you pay, that I gave it to you? Like minimal debt or like general like economic debt? Um, like, the, like America everything. being in like a $300 trillion debt. Everything. May it be you owing me 20 bucks or company company or xx owing, owing or states etc there would be no that what would happen nothing you know i had this do you, you, you want to finish a, a thought because i no. just okay okay because I, I didn't want to interrupt you but because i just had this you know when i was when i was in uh when i was in college i had one of these like stoner thoughts but you know of, of all of the little stoner thoughts i've had over the years one of them has always stuck with me and I'm sure that it's a dumb thought and I'm sure that someone can easily, maybe even you in this moment can break apart why it doesn't work. But it just reminded me like this, this um, kangaroo communism thing just reminded me of it, which was like, so I think there's two versions of how the economy can work globally, which is either everything stays exactly how it is. There's, uh, you know, an, alternate version of bartering which comes from um, which comes from money that you have to earn to be able to buy your bread and to buy your house and etc yeah. the way it is right or what if every single thing was free but it just came down to like maybe it's harder because then in that point you have to come down to like a first come first serve thing but what I think people would still develop some kind of trade, a trade, and a trade. Okay, and the right. next because because that's the way it worked. People started to trade things for things, mm -hmm. and then at some point this got too complicated. Mm -hmm. So there was money as a replacement for like how many horses is worth a barn? Yeah, exactly. Right, and you you can't trade three and a half horses or something. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe Only it if you make really any... like salami, then you could. Maybe but... maybe my thought is like pre-industrial revolution, where it just doesn't make any sense yeah. at all, and it's like kind of naive. But but but, but we could, because that's the problem with this thought. I don't want to interrupt you there. No, not too, at all. Because but... that's the whole thought. Yeah. Okay, because I think that's the point where I don't think this this could work because people would obviously begin to trade again because one single person cannot do everything he needs in life for his own, or at least if he has lived accompanied by other people, he gets used to that he does not because uh, humans are empathic and they help each other. And that leads to a point where people might start To trade things. Hey, you help me out there. I help you out there. Hey, you need a stone. <laughs> I give you, um, I'll give you some wood here or whatever. Yeah. And that leads to the idea of money. You know what I, what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I don't want to say it necessarily would happen, but I think there would still be big chance if we, would set back humanity to, to that form of um, economy or non-economy. Right. Um, there would still be big chances 
that humanity would um, de develop some kind of, of economy again. Yeah, of course, of course. Because there is also the human, the, like the greatest human infidelity, which is that humans do, in the eyes of God, they do sin. And humans will always be greedy and they will always oh. want more than their neighbor and they will always compare themselves and they will always try to do, like a lot of humans will do the dirtiest things to get more. And I think my philosophy of how, not philosophy, it's not something I live by, but like, I think that my little like hypothetical of what if it could all just be people creating what they want, you know, f without needing a cost because they get their own things for free from these other industries would never work. Of course, it would never work in a million years. One, because of your idea that, of course, we would create a different kind of economy if that did work. But also the people who are making the, the levels of money that they are making now would never give up. Yeah. They would never give up that level of money that they're yeah. making now. I mean, they're not even doing it now to save lives. So why would they do it, you know, for like a greater peace? <laughs> you know, yeah. why would they do that? Wait a second. I got to look up one thing here because mm -hmm. I had a kind of conversation about billionaires yesterday mm -hmm. with my girlfriend. And um, I want to look up how, where, um, where Jeff Bezos' wealth is at today. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, he has more money than Elon Musk. Okay, net, he has more money than most is, airlines. Net worth is $186.9 billion. billion US dollar. $100 billion. Have you seen this, this kind of um, graphic where they had listed up states in the world countries that um, would... Well, how do you call it? That had um, a less domestic kind of like gross income. You mean or yeah, something like no. Uh, like, like in Germany, you call so it Bruttoinlandsprodukt. Is that like gross, gross, gross domestic, domestic product? product? Yeah, GDP. Yeah, um, which that's lower than Jeff Bezos' net worth. Oh, okay, okay. Is it like forty nine states or <laughs> something like that? Um, yeah, imagine you would be a millionaire. You would get one million dollars. Okay. And I think in the part of the world we, where we live, like in, let's say Munich in Germany, wouldn't mean much. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you if you don't get too fancy with money, you could make a whole life out of this. Yes, of course. And still live good. Yes, you could afford the Obviously, right kind of investments. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. You, Maybe you should not start buying big boats, etc. But you could right. make a decent living out of that yeah. for a whole life. Exactly. And simply the simply do the math. Jeff Bezos is one hundred and eighty six thousand times that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's he's a, he's at such a level of wealth that you like someone like me can't actually even visualize. I can't not in visualize. Yeah. I can't visualize that amount of money, dude. I yeah. guess this this <laughs> Jeff Bezos, if he wanted to, could buy Austria. Like, just yeah, to think could. about it. He could just buy a country. <laughs> the, the, there's a crazy thing too. Um, there's this really great website that I saw when I was working at this school. And it's for kids. It's like educational. It's kind of fun. There's little games and stuff. And I'll have to look up what the name of this website is because it's really great. It's actually if you have kids and you're listening. 
kids who are old enough to look at and like and understand uh, websites. Um, this is a great site. Now I really have to, let me just put this down. Um, website money, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's this really great website where you can play all these different games and stuff. And there's, there's two games that really stuck out to me in terms of exactly what we're talking about. And one of the games was spend Bill Gates's money. And I think he had on the, I mean, at the time the website was made, it was like, I don't know how many billion, um, maybe, maybe, it, yeah, look at it. Maybe it was like 80 billion. Maybe it was like 70 billion. I'm not sure. It's less than Bezos, but it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. 115 billion. 115 billion. Okay. So I th- I'm not sure if the website has less, um, but it's somewhere in like, you know, 80 or 90 billion. So the game is like spend his money. So there's really cool things you can click on because it's like, okay, well, you know, the, it has a list of things you can buy. Okay. And you you realize the more and more things that you purchase out of like this fun thing of like, oh, I can buy like a I can buy like a private jet or I can buy like an airline. I can buy I can buy know, buy on an NFL team. I can buy an island. <laughs> NFL teams on the list. <laughs> so it's you know, you can be like the first thing is um I don't know, like a McDonald's cheeseburger is like two bucks. So if, you know, first thing for fun, you buy a couple of those, you buy like a bicycle, you buy a couple of Ferraris, then it moves into like buying mansions, buying several mansions and you buy an island and then it's like buying an airline, <laughs> buying an NFL team. Then it goes into like buying NASA rockets and it just goes up to like the most expensive things you've ever heard of in your whole life. And what is the most expensive thing you can buy there? I don't remember exactly. I think it's somewhere, I think it's somewhere between like, um, like a, an actual uh, rocket ship. Like from NASA, um, somewhere between that and like an like a like an island mansion thing, okay, you know, because yeah. like it's just you know billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. So you you just buy and buy and buy and buy and buy like limos, jet skis, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, you're buying all this ridiculous shit, and you just get exhausted because you just still haven't spent it all. And then finally, after like, I mean, seriously, after like six or seven minutes of just clicking, 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 yeah. clicking, you finally get down to like 300 bucks. And you're like, oh my God, my hand is sore from clicking things. Yeah. And you finally can just be like cheeseburger, 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 you know, like four bedroom house, you know, <laughs> Toyota Camry. Oh, finally I'm done, you know, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. And the other game um, isn't really a game, but it's just to teach you perspective And basically what it is, is it shows you, um, the, like how much money moves within an hour, depending on how much money you make. So the first thing would say, it's all based on American income. So the first one is, um, minimum wage in America as of today, $7 50 cents. And it shows you from the left frame of the computer to the right frame of the computer moving kind of like a belt. The money just moves from left to right across the belt um, at the speed that you're earning per hour. Yeah. You know, so seven fifty an hour, there would be seven uh, dollar bills and a half moving across the screen per, you know, per hour. So it moves yeah. very slowly. And then it goes further and it's like engineer and it moves a little faster. It's like, uh, you know, whatever X per hour, then it goes down and goes down and goes down and goes down and goes down. And then it's like, okay, how much Facebook is earning per hour? Uh, and you see like, I don't know, 12 rows of $100 bills just shooting across the page. You know, it's different speeds and you see it's, you know, 
I don't know how many, you know, hundreds of millions it earns, whatever, at a certain time. And then it's um, uh, how much Twitter makes, how much, um, I don't know, these huge corporations, how much they make like per hour and the money's just like shooting across the page. Then you get to like Elon Musk. And then you get finally at the end, like past the military spending of the United States government, uh. past, um, what is it? Like past Bill Gates, past like, past like the, the things that you consider the, the most unbelievable amounts of money in the whole world. Yep. Then you get to Jeff Bezos. It, it has, he makes more money than NASA spends on their entire um, corporation in a year. Yeah. And you see like 45 rows of $100 bills just flying across the page. like, And that's uh, per hour. It's just unbelievable, man. Yeah. Crazy. I have to get that website from a friend of mine. but Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Look that up before the release. So because that's something I definitely want to link here. And maybe you can also note because we forgot last week to link the Big Lemoire, um EP. Oh, we talked about that on the last we episode? We talked about... Yeah, we surely did. We played a few snippets through the microphones. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, and we forgot, or I forgot, however, to, to link that. So maybe we can do that as well. I just wrote that down. But man, we've gotten deep into the topic because we were it. only... Were, we started um, to talk about small talks. And that was definitely a big talk. And I think... Maybe we could move on to we another. We can it up a little bit. We could move on to <laughs> another um, conversation that was definitely no small talk that you had earlier today. Oh yes! Before I jump into this great conversation I had today, let me just take a bathroom break. Okay, we're back from the bathroom break, and I just wanted to introduce our guest a little bit. So because of um, his schedule, we had to pre-record it. So I interviewed um, the very talented, very lovely, very humble uh, artist and good friend of mine, uh, Guy Atage, uh, Guillermo Atage. He, he's um, the graphic designer that did several things. He, he did, first off, he did our Artsy Fartsy Immigrants logo. That's right. He did that. He did the artwork and the cover layout and everything for my last record, 12 Songs for 12 Friends. Yeah. Um, for the CD and for the vinyl and for all the digital artwork. And he did the music video for the song Count on Me. Uh, that's just all my personal stuff with him. He's also worked for some of the biggest. German companies, um, a lot of them like significant big companies, specifically in Bavaria and in greater Germany. Um, he's very impressive. And this was an interview that we had earlier today. Um, unfortunately, Mo could not be there, but um, I called him from home and he, uh, he took the call from his studio in Lisbon. So um, we really hope you enjoy it. And without me stammering over myself anymore, this is Guy Atage. Okay, okay, then I start recording now. Okay. Okay. I just cool. need to find like a perfect setup here. Um, yes, get cozy. Yeah, maybe a sit. 
because I don't have like a tripod for the microphone. Ah, but I have a right. good idea. I'm going to sit on the floor. I'm going to put some um, cushions on the floor. And then I'm going to put the... <laughs> I'm going to put the microphone in the couch. So it's like the perfect height. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I hope it works out. Sh perfect. Should work. Yeah. Because since the couch is fluffy, it's not going to make like... Sh -sh 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 the microphone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So shouldn't nothing gets rubbed up against it. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, how are you, man? What's going on with you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Like starting the first. What are you up to today? So today is my first day of vacation since the whole, I don't know, since last year, since the whole Corona thing and everything. So, right. I mean, when did it really, when did Corona start really like affecting you over there in Lisbon? Um, I guess like pretty much in the beginning, I think when everything started, like March, that um, things started like having lockdowns and stuff. It was in March, in March and I was in Germany <clears throat> for work. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when we came back to Lisbon, it was like everything was already like people staying home and like businesses closing and things like this. Yeah. So it's... Okay. But you hadn't taken a vacation a long time before that. Was that just because you were working so much? Exactly. You know, like I was, uh, I had like a pretty rough last year regarding work. Um, mm -hmm. like projects were not, because I think of the moving also, there was like also side effect that since all my client bases in Germany, I wasn't there and, um, moving here actually didn't help so much because you know you're like right. far from your clients so like you're not on top of their minds anymore right um, so like to kind of get established again and like people started like calling me for jobs took a while and yeah. it actually happened that I had like a longer contract for this year I was supposed to be like in Germany for like a uh, longer time and then the whole corona thing happened and everybody was sent in home office uh so i was able to come here back to, to lisbon but uh then i had like non-stop work which is kind of good so i didn't have time like to get too cray cray about like corona because i was kind of busy i think yeah. if i had nothing to <laughs> yeah. do and then I, i don't know maybe i would have like a mental breakdown or i don't know <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you had like, that's always how I feel about things too, is when you have, um, like when you have something kind of critical going on in your personal life yeah. and you don't have any work to make you feel like they accomplished or productive, then it feels kind of heavier. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it feels worse, you know? And then if you have this terrible thing happening or, or anything kind of that adds extra pressure, but your work is going well, yeah. then you kind of, I don't know, you don't notice it as much. Exactly. I think especially because people say, oh, they're going to use the the quarantine or the lockdown or the, you know, just the fact that we're not able like to be out so much as a time, like to think yeah. about like personal projects and stuff. But for me, that like personally, that doesn't work so good because I think when you're worried, I don't know, I, I think it's hard, like when I'm preoccupied with like, how am I going to get a, like projects uh, and everything to just sit down and think about like personal projects. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think um, it was pretty good that like, I mean, I was lucky to have work while like this whole situation was going on because I think for a lot of people, it was and it still is like a hard time regarding work. 
Right. Um, and it's also really convenient that, you know, your work can be done anywhere, like from home. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, you have your own kind of home studio for what, for your, for your work. Yeah. 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 And people are getting more used to it. You know, like, so before, uh, people would say, you know, like even if I'm doing like an illustration work or design work or, or motion design, people would like to get together and talk and, and, you know, like see face to face or work in the same office. But now people are just more open or like they have to be open to the idea of working remotely, which yeah. in my area at least works just as fine as if you were in the same office, you know? Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. So I think like this whole thing is going to change or it changes ways people like uh, see work and they're going to be more open like to remote possibilities of working and things like this. Yeah, I read so many things about uh, since Corona started that people were realizing how many aspects of their job or how many jobs in total like should have always been done mm -hmm. from home or for, you know remotely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, wow, how, you know, how many of these questions could have just been solved in, in an email? You know, and you think about it like, oh, right, that is, there's a lot of things that people didn't realize could have just been done from home, you know? Exactly, yeah. I mean, it takes a lot um, of discipline when, also, I think. It takes a lot of like, yeah, you know, like in the beginning, um, because even though like I'm a freelancer, I have my, my studio, my office. Right. And since the corona thing, I was not like able to go there. So I started working from home. And there were days that I realized that I like, you know, I sat on co the computer for like 16 hours and I just didn't realize. So I think it takes a bit of discipline also, like on both ways, either that you don't like stop, like stop work to do laundry or to cook or to, you know, but also not the other way around yeah. that you just sit on your computer and just like work, work, work without having any pause or without leaving the house or without like, I don't know, getting up enough or like drink enough water, things like this, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. It takes, yeah, it takes discipline and kind of reminding yourself of these rhythms that you, you need. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But when, when exactly, so it's almost been two years, right? Since you guys moved there. It's been two years now. Yeah, exactly. We moved in September, 2018. September? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Does it feel like it's been a, a long time since you've lived there already? Or do you feel like it's gone by really fast? It has gone super fast. I have the feeling. I, I just realized. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. I was talking to because I mean, what were your first impressions, right? Because you're you're originally you're from Brazil. Yeah, and there's kind of there's some big differences there between how the Portuguese behave and how the Brazilians behave. And how was it for you, like when you your first few months there? Like, did you feel that difference? Yeah, I mean, it was awful. <laughs> I mean, it was not awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was not awful, but I think uh, you know I've been thinking about that a lot because uh, I think when you move. Like me specifically, you know, like I grew up in Brazil and uh, when I was in university, I, and I always wanted to go abroad, like for a longer time. And mm -hmm. when I was in the university in 2004, I moved to Germany for one year to study. But back then, uh, I mean, now it was 20, um, 15 years ago. It was like a huge difference, like like from Brazil to, to Europe, you know, like the access that you have to stuff, the access that you have to information, like the way of life, everything was like very different. And I have the feeling in the past years with like internet and I don't know, globalization and, you know, like culture became a bit global also, although it is not, but in some sense, like for younger people, it's also like we're a bit more in the same level. 
Right. Uh, so I think before moving to Europe, in like when I moved definitely to Europe, it was 2013 that I moved to Germany. 2013. Wow, I didn't realize it was so long ago. Yeah, already. yeah. Time passed so fast. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I was a bit naive on what living in Europe means. <laughs> uh, like, for example, on how people in Europe behave, or like you know, like I expected yeah, this very yeah, this very progressive in culture. Particular. I don't know. Yeah, and I think. You know, like in Germany, that shocked me a bit already. And I think moving to Portugal is, it was even like a bigger shock because I think we basically have many of the social problems that we have in Brazil, uh, but like in this European package, you know, so. That's, an, that's actually a really interesting uh, way to, to, to phrase that. So what do, you, what do you mean by that exactly? You know, for example, we have like, uh, let's just say, you know, like Brazil is in a very sad period right now with the government and there's a lot of like right wing and people are like so conservative and they like against uh, queer people, against uh, like, you know, like other progressive agenda. Right. And although in Portugal, like I'm just going to give like an example of my daily life, you know, like I moved here and, uh, you know, in, in Germany I used to cycle everywhere and I love cycling and... I said, okay, I'm going to do that in Lisbon too. Right. And I do that, but you get, like, for example, as a cyclist, you get so much hate from drivers here. Um, you know, like you have people like... Really? Driving recklessness. How do you say that? Reckless? Recklessly. Recklessly. Behind you. Yeah. Like pretty close to your bike. Uh, there was like people screaming things at me because I was cycling, you know? Um, what? Yeah, it's actually what is that? I wonder. It's actually it's actually a huge fight here right now between cyclists and like drivers, because like the city is like working to have like a greener city, so they try right. to put like stones where you cannot get in with the car. They like building way more bike lanes, and there was like this big avenue here that they recently like m made kind of like half of the avenue now is bike lane. And people hated it so much, you know, like there was so much controversy <laughs> about this bike lane. That's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, I read in the <clears> newspaper, like people wake up having a bike lane in front of their houses. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. silliest thing to be upset about. Yeah. And I mean, like recently, uh, now in summer, there was a 16 year old girl who got ran over by a car. She died. Uh, she was at the bike. Oh my God. Yeah. And then, and then you read the articles on the newspaper and you read the comments and people were like, you know, people say, yeah, she was ran over, but like you, uh, the cyclists in Lisbon are very irresponsible and blah, blah. You know, like how can some like trying to use it as the, as part of their agenda that the cycling community is in the wrong here. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, so in this sense, it's like, it's very old school in a way that, you know, I think that's what I mean, that I was naive. I thought like, you know, it's kind of discussion that I didn't expect to have in Europe anymore. Or like... No, not at all. Yeah. And, and it's funny too, like whenever you live in a city or like a bigger city long enough, mm -hmm. you see the same patterns uh, over and over, which is that, um, you know, 
like the cars hate the bikers and the bikers hate the pedestrians and yeah. the pedestrians hate all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but this just sounds really extreme. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's just kind of a funny thing. Like I, you know, I, we drive a car and sometimes I get a little annoyed about people walking too slow or if yeah. the bike people, you know, have a little bit of attitude or something, but then I also bike a lot. I bike every day yeah. just like you did. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way. Like I hate when the cars make these crazy turns or they slam on the brakes or, you know, like yeah. that city culture is always going to be part of it. But this sounds so intense to actually like th- throw away a young girl's uh, death as a, as a means of their agenda, yeah, you know, exactly. to, like, to hate biking so much, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 You know, so like it's, you know, I think like the city strikes something good that is like trying to make the city more sustainable and like have bike lanes and I think just the fact that people are against it because it's gonna take like parking lots or you know that's gonna make in general like the the traffic a bit slower because people have to drive slower actually it's a city you know like you cannot like drive super quick or super fast yeah anyway I think and the city is really spread out and, and kind of kind of hard to navigate right I mean it does it used to take you um, like over an hour with uh, with the bike, right, to get to your old studio. Yeah, exactly. Was that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also like the city is okay. not, you know, that's the point. It's not also very, uh, like, pedestrian friendly. It's yeah. like, and it's also not like with public transportation. It's also like a total like mess. So it's not really functional. I mean, if you if you if you're lucky enough to live close to like a metro station then you get by because that works yeah. pretty good but if you need like buses and I don't know it can get pretty complicated so it, that that's the things that kind of like disappointed me a lot because for me it was like you know like a bit you know I didn't leave Brazil because I I hated it or anything it's just like I felt like there were so many things that I did identify with that was that was like your first impression already was just that yeah, the city's yeah. not for me and this is a, maybe this was the wrong choice exactly yeah and I think also like a question that like really bothers me is like it's a crazy racism um, you know I think they haven't dealt so good with the past here uh, okay you know like Portugal was like an empire and it, it you know like they discovered like many places in the world but they also colonized many places in the world until very late, I mean, until the 70s, many, I think I have to check that, maybe, but I think until the 70s, many, they had still colonies. I'll jot that down, we can check that, yeah. They had some colonies in Africa still, so that's pretty recent. Um, And, you know, I think people never came to terms that it was also not so cool (laughs) to, like, go colonizing, like, countries around the world <laughs> <laughs> that's like so outdated now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really out of fashion you know yeah you know like for example like i think like when you compare to germany um you know people really face what happened with like with like holocaust uh, with the nazis and everything mm-hmm. and i think here they never really came to terms you know like if you talk to like a i don't know like a not very uh, how, how do I put that? Like somebody who is not really well thought or well read, they're gonna say that they were conquerors and they discovered the world and they have they have a mix of like so many cultures. But right, you know, right. if you if you're from a like ex colony, let's say if you're from an African colony, if you're from Brazil or everything, 
you have a hard time here. They don't, they don't like welcome you with open arms, you know? Uh, I faced situations already that, that like, you know, I felt some prejudice against me uh, because I'm Brazilian. The same thing. Really? What were your experiences with that? Like as as a Brazilian specifically? Uh, I mean, I have like a crazy example. A friend had his Mm -hmm. uh, house like broke in. And oh my god! Yeah, I mean, it was like he kind of had it as an Airbnb and stuff. And then he and I said, "Oh, that's shitty, blah blah." And then he told me, "Yeah, but you know, like we have in front of our house this bar that's always like like a lot of people, weird people, a lot of Brazilians sitting there." <laughs> he said that to you, and he had the nerve to tell that to me. You know, like and. Uh, I don't know. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, what did you say to that? I mean, did you acknowledge like, excuse me, <laughs> I'm Brazilian, you know? Yeah. I think at that point I was, I don't know. I got a bit more reactive over time because I used to, yeah. to kind of shock me also, you know, like I also don't want to take, you know, like I don't want to like, if I, if I like, if I engaged every time somebody like made fun of something I said or like because of my accent right. or they made like some, this nasty comments or Right. I mean, that's also part of it too, right? I mean, you, you guys both speak uh, Portuguese, but you sound completely different. And I'm guessing there's a lot of different like dialect and a lot of different slang used, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you probably, you sound like the outsider to them, even though you understand everything and speak everything, you know, natively. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I think like that must be a weird feeling. Yeah, it is. You know? And I think I get them very confused because um, you know, since I've been living so long in Germany, I think like I changed my ways a bit. I got to be Germanized <laughs> for, for good and for <laughs> yeah. worse. <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I confused them a bit because like I have like a, like I, have, I don't, I, maybe I don't have like the typical Brazilian approach, like the way of behaving, but still have my accent. Yeah. So people get a bit like more like, I don't know. Uh, they have a bit more caution when they're approaching me, in a way. But still, like... So, like, do you think they're not sure how to read you? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, for example, like, you know, it's like the small things. The other day, like, I went to buy apples, and then I was, like, choosing some apples and stuff, and then, like, the lady from the fruit shop came to help me, and she was like, ah, you know, and this this is from Brazil, like, uh, it's, the, it's the same one that the Brazilians like, or something like this, I don't know. And... I don't know what, what I'm going to respond to her. Like, you know, like, do all Brazilians like the same apple? So I just kind of gave her the look. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I look from the, like, the side of my eyes. And she was like, um, I mean, if you're Brazilian, right? Like, uh, and then she was like completely insecure at the moment. Oh my God. Yeah. This sounds, this sounds like the equivalent of, you know, someone going up to like a black guy in America and being like, Hey, you know, this place has great fried chicken and watermelon. You'd <laughs> love it. We should go there. Exactly. You know, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's crazy, man. I didn't know that you, that you experienced that. Uh, well, I mean, I had heard some stories of course from you, but I didn't know that it was like so prevalent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It that's is. really wild. Yeah. And that's what I mean by not confronting like the past, you know, like mm-hmm. you cannot, you know, I think there's a lot of arrogance that, you know, you, you you feel like you're able to just like go around and colonize countries and like exploit them for a long period. And then 
at some point people from these colonies are also gonna go to your country you know like we're in the same level now I mean we always were but um, you know that they still feel better um, mm -hmm. I don't know you, you could do like a whole sociological so, sociological uh, 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 like a study study about like the Portuguese because for example in relation like to Germans or to, to the Dutch people they felt really they have like this inferior, inferiority complex Germany's, Germany has an inferiority complex no 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 uh, like the Portuguese in, in relation to like to Germans or to the Dutch ah okay okay yeah. how so? yeah like they feel like you know like they're the poor country and there's like the rich northern countries from Europe that always wanna I don't know it's 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 a bit hard to explain like but they feel in a way like they're 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 the poor cousin from Europe like the Portuguese <laughs> uh-huh so they feel a bit like inferior in regards to other countries the poor cousin of Europe yeah But like in, Do you hear that a lot from, from them, like personally, when you have these conversations, or is that just a vibe that you pick up on? Uh, I mean, you even read on a newspaper, Both. you know, like, for example, there was like this thing with the Corona crisis that, you know, there was this reunions with the European Commission. And then mm -hmm. uh, you read like on the newspaper how, uh, how the Dutch are like playing super hard on Portugal because they don't want to lend money and you know I don't know it's like this 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 vibe that you get in there a bit I think yeah okay yeah. okay so like the, the just the overall sort of vibe that they give off in their literature and in, in their conversations about these topics all kind of lean in that direction yeah 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 exactly seems like for the most part yeah, yeah did you feel that like pretty instantly from when you arrived there two years ago or do you think it's Do you think you've gotten more used to it or, you know, like what's your relationship to that, to that mindset now that like the prejudice and the inferiority and stuff? Um, I think it was like, it was like a process, you know, like I think it's, it's something that we find in the, in the, like that's something that I'm used for the Brazilian culture also. It's like full of contradictions. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, like it, I don't want to also like just shit talk. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, But it's interesting to hear this side because, you know, we, we also spoke to your partner, Basti. Uh, uh, he was one of our earlier guests and he also had, you know, interesting opinions about, about Portugal. And that was, that was pretty early on yeah. when you guys had lived there. So I'm, I'm curious now, like, you know, how you, uh, feel about it now. And maybe even, maybe you can even tell us, you know, if you think his perspective has changed and, and how it's changed too. And, you know, if you guys see it the same way or not. Yeah. I mean, I think like there's like different, like different aspects to this, uh, conversation. Like one big thing for me was like, you know, like work, you know, I, I, I like to do what I do. Like for me, it's important to be working It's also important to earn money. I'm not like, I don't have like a huge, I don't have like, uh, how to say, like a uh, inheritance, you say that? Like, inheritance? Yeah, like, I'd, you know, like I need to work to earn money and to survive. So yeah, I think here the market's pretty wild, especially uh, in my area, like in the creative mm -hmm. area. So it was pretty hard to be here and be, a bit without perspectives, you know? Um, and 
I think the thing, the fact is you can have a good life here if you have like an income from, from outside, like from another country, like if you have like a remote job and things like this. Um, and I think then you can enjoy life here way more without getting involved, you know, like. Do you think it's better to, if you want to live there to work, like have your work outside the country? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that's specific to um, free, like fields in, like in the freelancing industry, like for what you do, like graphic design or film or music or for all, all work? I think for all work, you know, like there's people who work in, um, in IT. I think that's a bit mm -hmm. better here. You can get kind of a decent salary. The thing is like the salaries are very low and the, uh, the cost, life, life costs, it's getting a bit higher. So like the rents are expensive and like things are expensive, but still you don't get like the salary that, 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 you know, like it's enough of that. So I think that... Would you say that the majority... Uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking because I think I, I, I went a bit away of your question, right? You're asking like the comparison of when we moved here to now, if I see a difference, I think I went a bit off, off, off the tracks. Not at all, man. Yeah. It's very interesting what you're, what you're thinking about, you know, yeah. um, I, I just feeling like, um, just in terms of the work that, you know, you're saying this is such an important part of, um, you know, your life. And I, I'm curious if, if all of your clients right now are based in Germany or yeah, there's all of my clients are some based there. All of my clients in Germany are. Yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah. And that's been that way since you moved there. Yeah. So like basically my, my whole client base is like, is German. I had like one or two projects that I did here, like in those two years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But like nothing really, really happened. I mean, and, and I tried a lot, like I made a lot of contacts and stuff, but like it never really developed. So like what people told me, for example, um, you know, it's like, if I wanted, like, in my area, you work a lot, like, for agencies, like, advertisement agencies and stuff. Yeah. And when I showed my portfolio, they wanted to see, like, projects from Portuguese clients. So, like, what somebody, like, a friend told me once is that kind of they would not take me seriously until I had, like, a Portuguese client. But at the same time, you know, oh, like, okay. I work kind of for big clients also in Germany, you know, I work like for... Yeah, you work for huge clients Like for publishing houses for like, I don't know, anyway. So like, I'm not going to get, you know, like, I've been working with this for a long time. I'm not going to get in the struggle right now to prove myself, you know, so wh why would I go this yeah, exactly. way? You know? I mean, why would I go, why would you do that to me? It seems like a funny um, restriction as well, because, you know, you're working for these like, you know, pretty large companies in Germany that, you know, we don't have to name them if you yeah. don't want to. But it's funny that they w wouldn't take you seriously um, until you were to get a Portuguese client, which like in your like in your repertoire of of clientele, yeah. you know, like pays pays less and maybe is kind of harder to. Exactly. deal with and and it's not even that know, i'm working like, with like just like german i'm working also with international clients you know um oh that's true yeah yeah but finally i didn't like you know it's not worth it to think so much about it like you know if it is like it is and it didn't like i tried for one year really hard to have like a client base here i went like to several meetings i talked to a lot of people 
Mm-hmm. And at some point I just accepted that, you know, it was not going to happen. So then, you know, like I should look somewhere else. You know, because that also makes you they question you your that. work. It makes you question like your, your, your competence. If you go down this road, you know, like when you're just getting like knows or you're just like getting, oh yeah, maybe in the future, maybe something would happen like this level of uncertainty. Yeah, of course. Uh, it, it can make like, it makes me at least very insecure. You know, when you try for a long time, I think time, it would make anybody get, like, new projects and stuff, and you're not getting any feedback. You know, I think right. like for, like for an creative work, that's 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 not so healthy. I think. And what about with um, with Sebastian? Like, is are all his clients also Jordan? still German? All German. Jordan. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello. Sorry, I ah. think I... Am I unmute? Oh. Was I muted? Uh, I didn't hear for a while. I think I'm hearing you back now. Can you say something? Oh, sorry. Ah. I think I did press the mute ah. on my phone <laughs> by accident. Man, I freaked out for a second. I was like, damn, these headphones were half an hour into it and I fucked it up. <laughs> it was a bit like therapy. You know, like when you therapy... I don't know if I ever did therapy, but sometimes like <laughs> you talk to something and then like your therapist doesn't answer anything. And you just keep going uh-huh. and then he, they still oh, don't yeah. say anything. And then you just keep going. And then like you, you're like very deep into <laughs> <laughs> <to> some subject. <laughs> I wonder if I would have just kept on mute if you'd been like, and then actually it all comes down to my mother yeah. and you know, the feelings that she gave me as a child. <laughs> so no, but what I was asking was, what I was asking was if Basti, uh, if all of his clients are, uh, all still German also, or if he's, if he's branched out a bit, a bit more into some, some colleagues in, in Lisbon. No, he did like a big production here now, actually for TV that I also work That's with him. Right. Yeah. I should know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You were, you were the star of the, <laughs> I completely, cause he flew here, you know, he flew to Munich to shoot it. So yeah. sometimes I just forget that it's yeah. for Portugal. Yeah. TV, so you're going to be like the, this huge star on some like Portuguese show, which is actually, um, it was actually like a very cool. My mom is going to love that. Yeah. Would you say it's going to be very cool? Yeah, it was like a cool show. Like uh, I also worked with him. I did some animations for this project. It was pretty nice, actually. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That was this recent project that we worked here. I just don't feel like it was... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like Portuguese production. It, for me, it just feels a bit different because we was with Pasi. So like we worked together once in a while. So for me, it was not that different, you know, like... I finally didn't have uh, contact with the final client so much. Uh, right. You were just kind of, you were brought in like from him to do a specific thing. And so you only really had to like talk to him, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, he also worked with like cool people. He was like a cool, like uh, cool producers who did something. It's also like a bit different area than what I work on, you know, like it was not like illustration or design. It was more like video production and, and TV. Um, yeah. So it's a bit of a different area that I was like searching when I moved here. Because I've also been doing like, you know, like I said a lot of the bad stuff, but there's also like good stuff, you know, like uh, since the things are a bit cheaper here than like, for example, in comparison to Germany, I was able like to, you know, go to school again and learn a bit more about like animation. That is something that I, I had the like, 
the will to do for a long time, but I just never had the time when I was working in an office in Germany. So yeah, I've been able to change and to improve my work a lot here. That's also like a very positive side. You know. So how did you do that exactly? Um, so like to prove your prove your work. Yeah, I went to like school again. I I studied animation for one year here. Uh, and with the animation, I also improved a lot my my illustration because you know like when you animate, you like just basically do illustration ten thousand ten time ten thousand times more <laughs> because like oh okay okay that makes sense yeah and. Also, the fact that I was here and I had this kind of like in between projects, I had more time like to focus on what I wanted to do and like, you know, kind of also to this inner work of like, okay, if I want to be an illustrator, I have to focus more on that than on design. Right. You know, like just to 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 be more clear, I come from like a graphic design background. In the last years, I've been like developing more towards illustration. But, uh, you know, when I, when I began being a freelance, I was just like booked in, in design agencies as a designer. So it's hard to like make this jump to be like an illustrator. And I think since yeah. here, like I had this pause between projects sometimes, you know, I had the time like to start doing like some animations and stuff and then clients saw and they got interested in it because I think a lot of, in my area is like people are not going to book you as an illustrator if you don't see your work as an illustrator you know but for that yeah. you also need time to like do some illustration illustrations or do some animation so people can see and they can also say okay i want that kind of work for myself too you know what would you say has been maybe one of the more difficult challenges of that kind of work and like maybe your biggest project or something that you found like really hard to lock down uh what do you mean exactly Like, have you ever come across a project that really stumped you, like really kept you, f like, like really had a block for you in terms of creativity where you weren't really sure where to take it and you got really stressed out about it? Or maybe when you were educating yourself about animation, was there a point where you, you know, had some doubt if, if you could do it or was it, was it always kind of like you always saw it in steps and you always knew that, that it would, it would be done and you could do it? Yeah, I think a bit like 50-50. I think I have like both living in me. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I think like there's something that somebody told me, like when you learn a new skill, like your expectations are very high on what you're going to do, but your skills are also like still like developing. So right. for example, you think I'm going to do like this crazy animation with like, things morphing and flying and you know like for example when i did that, that <laughs> music video for you like i did this economy music video there was mm -hmm. uh uh everything was animated i mean we had this like this kind of footage in between when i got desperate <laughs> right and there was some stop animation stop motion too right? exactly yeah because like when we talked about it i was like beginning in animation Like, was my first steps. Right. And then I said, yeah, Jordan, I want to do, like, this completely animated music video. <laughs> and then I realized, okay, that's going to be a bit tricky. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I started to do the stop motion thing. But still, like, it's a crazy patience work, you know? Like, you sit there, like, for, for stop motion. You, like, you set the studio. You have your props. 
and then you like move the thing once and like one millimeter then you take a photo and then you move one millimeter then you take a photo and when you do that oh, 24 so times draining. you have one second <laughs> you know that's just so unbelievable to me that's so so exhausting yeah to think about yeah it's very re rewarding also but it's it's also like it, it takes a lot of patience it's not something that you can do like quickly you know right and that is something that i that i'm learning you have also. to find a lot of joy in it yeah right? exactly so for example when i was doing this last project for the portuguese tv uh we didn't have so much time because uh it had to be done like basically in, in a few weeks so when they had the final mix from the audio that i need to do the animation on top um the thing has to be like in the next three weeks it had to be done and i had like four animations to go so it's basically like working day and night like uh i had my computer at home so like i would work until like three in the morning then wake up the next day at nine sit on the computer then until three uh oh my god yeah so super intense And then I got to this point that you just said, like, you know, like, I can't do it. I got desperate. And then, and then I just like, <laughs> what helps me is that I just think, you know, like, I go like as far as I can go here, you know, like, you have to trust your gut a bit that you're going to do like a good job. And maybe it's not going to have all the textures and all the details that you had in your mind that you wanted to do. But, you know, you just have yeah, to right. get shit done, I think. I think that's also like a good, yeah. um, because I think in the, in the, in our area, we always want to have like this perfect piece of work. Um, but waiting for the perfect project is also like, it's, it also kills your, your, your productivity, you know, like. Right. Exactly. Would you say that you work better with strict deadlines? Definitely. <laughs> Me too, man. Definitely, Me too. Yeah. I wanted to touch back actually, like just talking about this idea of deadlines. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier in the call um, where you talked about how during quarantine, you know, people expected creative people to, you know, you know, oh, oh, you have all this free time. So you must, you know, you must be, you know, in your case, uh, you know, designing and illustrating and animating all the time, everything, new ideas and like gaining new skills. And in my case, it, you know, it was like, You must be writing a song every day yeah. and practicing guitar nine hours a day. And for me, I, I don't think I necessarily wasted that time. I did join in on some cool projects with some friends back in America, but mm -hmm. I definitely didn't do that thing that several people thought I would do. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized that like, yes, I enjoy playing music and yes, I enjoy Uh, writing, but I feel like my best stuff and my most fulfilling work comes at the most inappropriate times. Like when I really need to leave, when I have a very <laughs> short amount of time, Yeah, yeah. you know, or when the deadline for a project, like um, there was a project um, where this composer in Munich wrote a big choir piece that they, um, these people this, from Sony, they released it on this, on this record, like this big classic orchestra choir piece. Mm -hmm. And he needed some English text. So he asked me if I wanted to do it. And the, the, he, I think he asked me on like a Friday and I was like, oh yeah, sure. And I was getting really sick, mm -hmm. but I thought, I thought I had like two weeks or something to do it. So on Saturday I asked him, Hey, can you just send me 
um, the piece. I want to listen to it, maybe get some ideas. Um, and I told him that I was getting really sick and mm-hmm. that I, you know, I was like, Oh, but I can listen to it over the next few days and think of something. And he was like, well, I hate to break it to you, but I, 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 this took me a long time to do. It's already due Monday. Oh, <laughs> he said, dude. And I freaked I, out. I'm gonna let man. you finish, but I need that on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I got so scared, man. And that evening, Saturday evening, I, I don't know what it is in Celsius, maybe like 50 or something, but I got this crazy fever, oh, man. crazy, crazy, crazy fever where I was shaking. I was like, I was, you know, sitting with my hands on my stomach, bending over on the sofa. I couldn't think. I was like frying my brain. Oh, man. And I was so scared that I wouldn't get this project because of, you know, the other composers on this same record were really big names. I wanted to like be a part of this project, you know? Mm -hmm. So I came in the room and I knew that if I didn't do it then that I definitely wouldn't do it the next day. So with this fever and like shaking and like being kind of upset with the composer, because I didn't know that I had such a short time to do it. This crazy, this crazy story came out where I listened to the music and then this imagery came. And then I wrote these, this like little story of somehow like a romance that was really, I don't know. I was really proud of it. And at the Mm -hmm. end I realized like that pressure of me not wanting to do it because I was sick and the fact that if I didn't do it that night, I wouldn't do it created like, in my opinion, some of the best lyrics that I've ever written. And I've had, you know, I don't know, I've had weeks of Corona to do a, a cool <laughs> new song and I just can't seem to do anything I like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so hard. Like, for example, you know, like, I've, I've, although I've been pretty busy with, with like, with like commission work, and uh, I've been working a lot with like a client, which is like a basic television. I work for them like for the social media, but it's like a TV channel. So it's like this TV yeah. pace, which is like pretty quick. And that has helped me a lot because, you know, you produce a lot. It has to be kind of quick because, you know, like it's, it's, it's a different pace. Like social media is also a different pace, you know, like you have to post things like pretty constantly. Oh, yeah. So it's very different than like in a design agency where you work like three weeks on something and then you're like you know you're just like cutting edges like all the time like making it perfect like (laughs) polishing everything yeah so that's been interesting and that's that has helped me also to see you know like sometimes it's also good to have not quantity over quality but like that you produced with quantity and like with enough quality, you know, like it doesn't have like to be the, the perfect thing, you know, it's like you said, you know, like you had like everything against you, you had like, you were sick and you were like tired and you had not so much time, but you had to produce something and you produce something that is good enough and that you're proud of. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think like, uh, for example, I also enrolled in like several online courses <laughs> during Corona time. Uh, I started many of them. I didn't finish one, I think. Uh, And I'm actually working on a project right now, like a personal project, uh, which I've been interviewing people. Mm -hmm. Um, I call it so far like an, I don't have like a final name for the project. So far it's called like an, an visual podcast. Because I interview people and then I make an edit of the interview and then I animate that. It's like one to two minute small animations. 
Uh, oh, I think you told me about this. Yeah, yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, right now, I'm like interviewing artists, like, like queer artists and women artists, basically. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. which I think is like, I don't know, I wanted to have this, this target group. So if you like, if anybody here in this podcast is interested, just write to me, please. <laughs> uh, because yeah, we'll put your contact in the description. Yeah. Because I'd like, like to have the most diverse, um, uh, profile of, of, of people also, you know, like my idea was basically like people like from, let's put it like this minorities in a way, how like did they deal with their struggles and like to create the art and like to tell yeah. a bit about a bit them themselves uh but uh, long story short you know like i've been working with this so i interview people i interview some people now in summer and the good thing about this personal project is that involve other people so like i interview them so like i have this pressure on myself like to give them something back you know, so I think it, like with, with projects, yeah. it's also good to have something that it's, it doesn't have to be a deadline, like a date, but it's like something that pressures you to like make it happen, you know, yeah. even if it's just out of shame. You know? <laughs> <laughs> shame is a good motivator. Yeah. Shame yourself to work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh my God. I think, I think that's, that's a real motivator, man. I didn't even think about that, but it's so... It's so true. Like, I think sometimes when you see people in your field and of course it's always a bit more fabricated on social media, but when you see them putting out content that they've created, or in my case, you know, performing something or you see them doing a new photo shoot or something, Mm -hmm. then I always tend to get a bit jealous, especially when I'm in a really slow period, like between releases and, you know, not performing and whatever. And I think, I see them doing things I could do, like recording some more things from home or whatever. And that jealousy kind of does lead to a, <laughs> to a kind of shame of like, why am I not doing that? And then the shame leads to like, I'm going to do it. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. You know, like people, um, I've been called like a negative person, like often. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. like your negative feelings can also push you forward in a way, you know, like, especially if you're a creator, I think all these things of like shame or like jealousy or, you know, to be competitive, it can help you like move your ass a bit. I think also. I completely agree with that. You know, if you're always happy, like if you always want to like paint everything pink, I think, I don't know, maybe it's a good motivator for people, but like for me at least, I need a bit of like this feeling of like, you know, I'm losing something. I need to like, do something or like out of shame, you know, like people like give me their time. So I have to give them something back. Yeah. Because you're always going to get busy with stuff, you know? So, so it's good to have something that pushes you to like, to your, your, your own work, I think. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. I mean, that's kind of why I started doing these, little like cover song Instagram stories because I needed, I needed some sort of motivator to keep practicing Mm -hmm. right now. Um, you know, we don't have any shows lined up. I had one wedding show on Sunday, which was the first one in forever. And that was, that was great. But before that it had been months Mm -hmm. and I was like, man, I need something that like reminds people that follow me on there 
that I care about them and that I want to like, I want to be performing somehow something. So that was like this kind of motivator to, okay, I'm going to, going to ask people to send in things and I'm going to make sure that I do every single one of them. Because if I, if I were to not do one and then someone would feel like, oh, well, you know, I guess he got busy and you know, that's all right. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's okay if he didn't get to it, I would feel so much shame. I'd feel, I would feel so uh, embarrassed. Like how dare I, you know, ask them for something and then not deliver on it. So, um, that's why I've been doing all these things too. So it's, it's, it's like you say, you know, you have to set like these little goals and then, you know, keep this pressure on yourself to actually go through with it, to actually complete it Yeah, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Because I think also like to be drowning in projects, you know, because you can always, always have like, there's always going to be the point in, in the project that you hit. I think we talked about that a bit earlier today. Like you're going to hit that, 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 point that is very hard or you don't know how to go forward or it doesn't like meet your expectations so you get a bit frustrated and you want to like abandon so it's always good like it's it's always like an easy way to like jump from project to project you know like oh the podcast is not working right now so I'm gonna do blah blah you know like I think Mm -hmm. uh, so and I think these things like this either if it's shame or like sense of commitment or whatever makes you kind of like go through the, like the annoying part also, you know? Of course. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking actually what, so, you know, you went from Brazil to Germany and then Germany to Lisbon. And I'm curious, you know, what you guys have planned next? Like how long do you imagine? I mean, if if you're comfortable talking about it, like how, how much longer do you imagine you would be staying there like how you see the next year or two years and where you would, you know, go after that if you left. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about it like the other day and, um, uh, I mean, even in Brazil, I moved a bit like, um, Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm originally from Salvador, which is uh, in the state of Bahia in Brazil, like the Northeast. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then I was one year in Germany, then I came back, graduated, and then I moved to Belo Horizonte, which is like a bit more in the south. And I lived there for five years before moving to Berlin. From Berlin, I went to Munich, from Munich to Lisbon. And like, besides this moving to Lisbon, which was, I was already married to Basi, nothing was very planned. (laughs) So like... uh, (laughs) When I left Salvador to move to Belo Horizonte, it was basically because a friend of mine who lived there, she said, you know, like I have some friends and they have like kind of like a shared apartment and there's one room free and I thought about you and I said, yeah, you know, actually that's a good idea. <laughs> so, I mean, I wanted to move already. I had like this thought of like leaving my hometown and yeah, I moved there. In, I know that feeling. I moved there in like one month without having like job or anything, you know, like just like, I just wow. did that very spontaneously. Uh, I must've felt so freeing. Yeah. I mean, I was 20 something, like I just graduated and I had all this, like, you know, like this, like in a good sense, this lack of commitment that you don't have like mm-hmm. anything that like holds you back. Like you just, you just want to do stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I was for five years there. And when I moved to Berlin, I, w- I actually like moved like for three months for a vacation. 
like a, like let's say like kind of like a sabbatical and I just stayed there so I never like planned to move back to Germany at some point I just did uh oh, okay okay yeah see there wasn't like a, a long thought out no, choice no I mean I think I think in the back of my mind I I like staged myself to do that because uh I got rid of everything that I had in in Brazil like I Like I gave my apartment back. I sold all my furniture. Uh, mm -hmm. I gave all my clothes away. I had like two suitcases and that was it. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I said, I said kind of like the possibilities to do it. Like I was free to do whatever I wanted to do at that point. You know, like I quit my job. Yeah. Uh, so it was never really planned. And when we moved here to Lisbon, that was like that was a bit more structured. I think also because I think when you move as a as a couple and not you're not like alone, you you, you know you have like to arrange a bit your decisions. Also, it's a different constellation. I think. Oh yeah, it's way more responsibility. Yeah, you have to talk about every step and plan everything out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as it's not as like whimsical as you know this youthful idea of moving you know, as a 20 something can, can be. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, it's also a bit harder because, you know, when we moved here, we brought everything, we brought our furniture, like everything. So there was this feeling of like being settled also in a way mm -hmm. that, you know, like the, the times that I moved before was a bit like, like this light moving. I'm going to go there. I'm going to check if I like, and if I don't like, I'm going to go back very easily. Um, yeah. even though I knew that I was not going to do that in, in like in the times that I moved, but like I had this feeling that I could, if things went wrong, I could like step back very easily. Um, and when we moved right. here, it was also not the case. I think that's why I went also like in such a dark place also, because, you know, like I thought, okay, I made, we made this decision. So we're here and now we have like to like to make deal it with it yeah you know even yeah. if like there's no work here of if it's hard like if the things that i don't like i mean i don't have another like in the in the near future there's not other solution you know like right yeah yeah i think to sleep in the bed you made kind of situation yeah yeah i think like people don't talk like because it's very like it sounds very glamorous this like you know like moving around and like Uh, living here and there. But I think you also have to take care of a lot of your like mental health when you move in, you know, because it's, it's very, it can be very overwhelming. You like, of course, sometimes you don't know people in a new city. You have like to know the ways of everything you have, like you have to see how people do things also like, you know, like the habits and like, it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of new stuff that you have to, to learn like from, from scratch, you know, like, and that can be very oh, yeah. overwhelming. Also. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like coming, that's always a huge part of it. Yeah. Coming to Lisbon as a tourist was very different than moving here. You know, like you're confronted with things that like as a tourist or visiting the city. And I mean, I used to come here very often because I have like family here. Um, uh, even though like there were things that surprised me a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, 
so yeah and then going back to your question like what's next and like i really like i really like don't have any like answer right now uh yeah i guess that's kind of hard to answer yeah, right yeah because you guys are kind of in the thick the thick of like all this new work and in in a way two years isn't you know like isn't i mean it's almost exactly two years it's the middle of september so yeah exactly yeah. it's kind of hard at that point to to gauge you know where you are settled at because i've been here in munich for five years mm-hmm. last month was five years and i think i'm only now kind of getting a grasp on like who I am in this place, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I still have these, you know, shocking, you know, existential moments of like, who am I? And you know, what am I, what's my purpose here? And thinking about, you know, your choices and thinking about your needs and, you know, what kind of creative goals you're, I'm setting for myself and, um, two, you know, two years into Germany. And I, I honestly would, wouldn't be able to to tell you, yeah. you know, what I, what I would have expected out of, out of now. And there's always like every year that you live in a, in this, a different country, you, it's like you said, you know, you, you learn more about what that culture of that particular country expects out of you as a civilian mm-hmm. there. Yeah. You're always learning another kind of thing that they do that you didn't grow up with. And you're always wondering like, well, was I doing that wrong the whole time? Or is it okay that I'm you know, still learning this and sometimes you're a little embarrassed and Mm -hmm. sometimes you feel kind of proud, like you've blended in certain things after a certain amount of time. And yeah, yeah, it's always, it's always a learning process. I think it's, I think it takes a long time. Maybe there's like a, some sort of immigration rule. Like maybe there's like a 15 year rule or something (laughs) before you really feel like acclimated completely. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Like I lived in Germany, like, like, I think counting the first time it was like six years. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, like the first time I lived in Germany, I was 20. So I think you, you grasp, grasp, like you adapt way quicker when you were so young. Right. Yeah. So I think like, I don't know. I think like the things from the German culture that I really like assimilated and, and I think maybe there's something like from the Portuguese that also have like to that I'm going to understand better, like in, in, in two years or something. I don't know. Um, but I think now it's also like a strange time to think about the future, like in a way, you know, yeah, like, it's hard to say with everything in the world. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for example, exactly. You know, I, I yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah. I wanted to like, I want to go to Germany now, like in two weeks, but I'm still not sure if I'm doing that or not because like everything sounds weird, like getting on the plane and like, and how how is it like to be a tourist in this not a tourist like but like like to travel in this time sort of like pandemic and I don't know. Yeah, I mean with the with the airport and the airplane, I I can't say how that might feel because um, obviously all of our plans for flying this year were canceled, so you know we haven't had any thoughts on that at all. Um, I can only tell you how I feel as someone who lives in Munich mm-hmm. and. I still feel that for the most part, everyone's taking it pretty seriously, just in terms of like, and there's always going to be a handful of people that you just want to push in front of a bus because they wear a mask under their nose or something, yeah. but like, they're called um, the mask hosts, you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, the, the majority, the majority though, like I even went back to the gym for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
this week for the first time since uh, February or March. Yeah, and how was it? Um, and the first, the very first time that I went there, um, I was hesitant and I was really, I was like studying the behavior of everybody and like the rules of the hygiene with a very critical eye because I didn't want to miss anything and maybe misjudge. And um, so I was really judging, like I was harshly judging how everyone does it. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I felt pretty comfortable i think as long as it's not so many people in there then it's all right you know they they blocked off you know like every other machine and every everything has like these um you know like plastic window guards in between everything yeah and um you know you wear gloves like i never really even touched the machines okay um you still you still sanitize everything you know you can do it before you sit down, but you should always do it after you're, you're done. And then the next person can do it after they're done. Yeah. Uh, and I watched them, you know, like if I'm using something, I'm watching someone like, are you going to sanitize? Yeah. And everyone right now seems to be pretty cool about it. Yeah. I think the only thing they just don't do so much now is the showering in the, in the changing room, but that's all right. Yeah. I mean, I went also like, because I've been swimming like, uh, for a few months now. But the other day I decided mm-hmm. to give it a try for like, because it's in a gym. So like I tried to go like to the, to the like equipment stuff, to the machines. Yeah. And I felt so overwhelmed. I felt like, uh, oh, really? yeah, like, because it was like, I mean, the, the gym is like pretty cool. So they have like, they have like air filters everywhere. So because they say like the air is super clean there <laughs> somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> And then there's like also like this glasses between the, the equipment. So like, for example, every time you finish uh, uh, using the treadmill, then you put like a sign on it that somebody comes and cleans before somebody else uses. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then, but the machines, like the really like, uh, how to, like the, the weight machines, I felt so overwhelmed yeah. because like in between you have to add the mask. You can just take the mask when you're sitting in the machine yeah it's the same here but then you have to clean it all the time so like and I was like learning the sequence that I had to do at the same time so for me it was a bit too much you know and then you start you start like getting sweaty and then your mask gets like super moist and then I was like oh yeah but I mean that is gross the mask the mask like wearing that in between the machines yeah it is kind of exhausting yeah exactly I felt like super tired I was like halfway through my like uh, sequence and I said okay I cannot do it anymore you know like I'm gonna stick to swimming uh, because this, this whole, like, and, and this, I mean, I'm a bit like into details. So like, I'm like, okay, am I doing it right? Am I cleaning it right? Did I forget to clean any handle here? You know, like, did I touch something? Did I touch yeah, my you face? Get nervous yeah. that you, yeah. Uh, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was a bit overwhelmed and I no, said, I'm going to stick to like easier things, you know, like maybe I run on a treadmill, maybe I swim, but nothing like that demands a lot of like. Uh, of like too much details or cleaning here, cleaning there, and I don't know. Right, it's a bit. Of and I do feel that I do feel that most people are going to have this sort of buried, um, you know, even unconscious fear of kind of everything, people touching things, going into certain places, just until there's this. I mean, even probably after there's a vaccine, because I know that a lot of people, especially in America, <laughs> won't take it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really nervous about that, too, how 
you know, what the behavior of people is going to be like in two years, you know, when there's a vaccine and, you know, how the sort of social consciousness moves towards people who are not being smart or not being careful. And yeah, I think it's going to change you know, how the anti-vax. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I think maybe you would change for like a lot of people uh, because now they're conscious about like, you know, how diseases spread, like, you know, like just basic things like wash your hands. I, I mean, I know many people who are like, wouldn't wash their hands before eating or like coming from the metro. I don't know. Oh, it's just yeah. things that are like very easy and you can just like wash your hands, but then maybe sometimes you get lazy and then I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of people are going to be more oh, yeah. cautious about it also. Uh, maybe, maybe that's just for the greater good. Yeah, yeah. Just keeping some distance from, you know, large groups of strangers and washing your hands more. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. I mean, it it's also doesn't take yeah. so much <laughs> effort, you know, like, you know, like the humankind developed in a way that yeah. we have like water, clean water at our house. Not everybody, of course, but like, you know, let's say at least in Europe, most people have like water at home, like clean water that they can wash their hands and it doesn't take so much effort to do it. So why not? Right. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not really against wearing masks on uh, public transportation. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, like on the, on the crowded five o'clock train or something, mm -hmm. if you have to take it, I mean, pff, just to get away from bad breath. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it can be so stinky on that thing yeah. you know you know like the other day everyone's sweating crowded in yeah the other day like i went out and i had an ice cream <clears throat> like a chocolate ice cream and then like mm -hmm. i forgot to get like any napkins so i had like this mouth full of ice cream and i said okay i'm just gonna wear a mask over it <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> nobody sees that i don't have like a napkin right now I heard a story about someone who ate some really intense food, like maybe Indian food or Mexican food or something, and then had to wear the mask right after, and they kept burping into the mask, and they said it was like a torture chamber. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. So thank you so much for giving us your time today, and I um, hope you have uh, an amazing week, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It was a pleasure. I hope I didn't speak so much shit. <laughs> No, it was great. I hope, was I hope great. I'm not going to be sued over like if I'm going to be deported after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. I mean, maybe I will. Who knows? Push in the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> then I can do like, awesome. then I can right. do an art piece about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to go now all lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Man, I really love that interview, and I really appreciate uh, Guy giving us his time and all of his, uh, all of his really interesting input about all these different ways of uh, thinking about work and thinking about you know living abroad. And he's traveled so much, and I think that's really impressive, and really gives a good insight to like the essential kind of artsy fartsy immigrant that we always talk about on the show. And actually I wanted to ask you like just in terms of your motivations for work and stuff, you know, Guy talked about, um, you know, shame 
or, or like jealousy in a way we, we talked about this or like competition as like a motivator for work. Um, do you ever feel that sort of thing in your field? I mean, I don't know, you're, 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 you're younger and you're working in this kind of interesting media field, but do you get that sensation as well with music or anything? Like this idea. I of, especially feel this being young and working in media. Really? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Okay. And I want to get uh, into that, but first <laughs> I got to ask you one question. <laughs> did you get the wine out of the freezer? No, I did not. Would you mind I can go getting it out? Really because I don't want an explosion in my freezer. That's okay. You can uh, you can think of the best joke. The best joke. You've ever thought of. Okay. I'll be back in two seconds. Okay. Let's think about this. I have, I would not say I have some form of um, talent as a comedian. So I'll just give something to you from the internet because I'm not a great <laughs> uh, joke maker, especially not in a foreign language. Um, blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking of like a really good, what's a really good, um, because I'm still gone getting that wine. What's a really <laughs> okay. good, like one line. And the Lord said unto John, come forth and you will receive eternal life. But John came fifth and won a toaster. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to delay this too long, but I heard one really great joke today. Close the door. Um, That's not a joke. Sorry, just about a sound. Um, do you know that? Do you know like the the series of jokes, like dumb blonde jokes? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, um, there's a great dumb blonde joke, which is um, are there great ones? Because in German, there are only shitty ones. Oh, there are some great ones. Um, one that I particularly liked that I heard today was um, um, there's two dumb blondes. And their father told them that um, he wants to be buried at sea. And both girls drowned digging his grave. Do you get it? Give me one more time. Two dumb blondes. Yeah. Their father told them when he dies, he wants to be buried at sea. You know, like... Yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the worst when you're like, yeah, I understand it. It's a good joke. That's the worst, man. I'm like, come on, Sorry. give me a break. Yeah, because because I I I I did I kind of kind of lost it when you told it to me first, but then while you told it uh, the second time, I reconstructed the first time and I already got the punchline. I mean, imagine these two girls like f digging the grave under the ocean. But they're. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid, man. I love that one. Okay, you one don't, more. You don't one need more. a parachute to go skydiving. Wait, wait, wait. You don't need a parachute to go skydiving. skydiving. Okay. You need a parachute to go skydiving twice. You don't need a parachute to go skydiving. You need one to go skydiving twice. I don't get that one. If you br don't bring one the first time, you'll die. I can't believe I don't get this joke. You, you, <laughs> Dude, if you go skydiving without a parachute, you die. Yeah, but the, 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 the phrasing of the joke, like, you don't need one to go, go skydiving, skydiving once. No, it just says you don't need a parachute to go skydiving. You need a parachute to go skydiving twice. But tw There's uh, a full stop between. You, need, you don't need one to go skydiving. 
You need one to go skydiving. Oh, to go again. Yeah. Oh. I apologize to the native <laughs> English speakers who listen to this podcast. I have just disappointed. <laughs> but I got an easy every one. Every person I got, got a, that joke. The last one, and that's what that one is easy. Okay. My grandfather has the heart of a lion and the lifetime ban at the zoo. <laughs> Oh my god, that's awful. That's awful. <laughs> But that one was easy. You were saying, okay, you were saying yeah. that it, we're, being young, working in media, you feel this like shame, jealousy, uh, competition as a motivator. How so? Um, it is a motivator, plus it is kind of, I don't want to say burden, but it also can be pretty mean because yeah, obviously sure. there is a lot of competition because um, in big German media outlets, um, most of them, because of inflation and um, new forms of, of how to broadcast or televise or um, sell printed articles, ways have changed. Um, they have less budget and so they, they hire less people for for full-time jobs. So, mm -hmm. so um, I'm pretty sure that after my my traineeship, my volontariat I'm doing now, I'll work as a freelancer because there are only a few full-time jobs media outlets offer. That's one big thing. Yeah. And plus uh, jealousy is also a big part because um, to be com completely honest, um, Jobs are not all of the time given to people because of their qualification mm -hmm. or their skills. I think you could um, imagine that, especially in on in TV, in TV business. Yeah, a lot of people are hired because of how they how they look. Same for radio. If you're, of course, your yeah. your voice, etc., etc., and yeah. those are a lot of things you can you can struggle with and. Um, even worse than those things, mm -hmm. like things you cannot change, like how you look or um, how, you how, you, how, you, how you sound. Yeah. But even worse, many, many jobs are given to people just because of people they know. Dude, that's, that's, that's the essential thing in so many industries. Exactly. Based on someone that you know. Exactly. Yeah. And so that can be pretty frustrating because um, I don't... <laughs> want this to sound weird but I during the last two years I've often experienced that people I know or I have worked with um, get jobs um, I would love to do and I think okay I could do this better right why do these people get the offers etc right um, one point is I'm young um, I Obviously, it's a factor that I don't s search for jobs actively at the moment because I'm in this program. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, that's a point, to be fair. Um, plus, it's about it's about people you know. And it can sometimes be frustrating when you see people <laughs> without qualifications and who might not be the greatest um, journalists or the greatest hosts, the greatest um, editors, whatever. Yeah get jobs a lot of people not only myself who and I don't want to want to um <laughs> want to talk too good about myself here I don't say that like I'm I'm the best at some points and I'm and I 
can I get it? But there, there are a lot of people who are pretty talented journalists who are um, super qualified for jobs and just don't get it. There has been a big discussion in Germany because um, they, you know, the, the, the newspaper Bild yeah. and their weekend outlet, Bild am Sonntag. Mm-hmm. And they always have the, those big interviews with important personalities about certain topics. Mm-hmm. And they had the, I don't know exact word for it, but basically the boss of um, ARD, mm-hmm. like the, 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 the public broadcasting network mm-hmm. um, Germany, for an interview. And at one point they got to why... Um, why are there mostly male hosts on on their programs? Right. Especially Yeah, sure. In, especially for for shows that are not about that are not news news um shows or whatever like more like in the entertainment sector. More entertainment, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this guy said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we have great men who do this since years, blah blah blah." Plus he um they don't even have that many women um, that would be qualified or that could do this job, who are on the level to do this job. And then there was a great thing because one female journalist um, who has an amazing, who does political journalism, but over Snapchat and Instagram, it's super interesting because she's pretty progressive. Her name is Eva Schulz um, and her project is called Deutschland 3000. (laughs) <laughs> that's cool and um and she she tweeted and it was like a twitter thread with i guess about 40 names of female hosts that already work in some form for uh they the german broadcasting network oh wow and they would be super qualified and i've read through the list and with every third or second or third i was like yeah obviously she would be great for this program etc etc and this this was the most powerful tweet in a while for me just, That's amazing. She, she wasn't. Man. She wasn't really attacking attacking him. Just, just. Um, she was just checking him. Yeah, she was just tagging his Twitter handle and like, "Hey, look out! Here are some names." And then like, like forty attention, man. Forty female um, hosts, which are amazing, uh, yeah. who are amazing. Um, so sexism is also a, a big factor for who gets jobs and who not. Well, dude, surprise, man! You know, I mean, and that's, that's something weird because the um, the US. I think often if I if I watch parts of of um, American TV or something, are way more progressive with that, especially in sports. Which is insane because they the America often feels that they're not progressive enough. Yeah, you know. But in that terms, like mm, a friend of mine for his bachelor's thesis, he made an experiment. Okay. And it was about how people, our recipients react to um, a male and a female voice doing the commentary on a soccer game. Okay. So they they basically scripted the commentary, um, took the same scene from one um, soccer match mm-hmm. and made a male and a female voice um, record that. Okay, so but one, word one track by, of the but female. word by word the same the same commentary. Okay, so not together, but one female no, no, track yeah. and one male track. And then they had two groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so two friends of mine did this project together, um, and they had two groups. And one group um, 
would see the clip with the male mm-hmm. commentator and one with the female. And it was and it was it it was word by word the same commentary. Right. And so many people and and the the peer group you call it peer group, right? Yeah. Um was mixed um, um I guess round about 50-50 male female all everybody between I guess 20 and 35 I'm not sure about those little details but right. it was pretty equal um in in how gender in in gender representation yeah, yeah. and most of the people um liked the male commentator more and brought it in connection with with um words like qualification experience he's an expert he knows what he's talking about Man, that's so crazy, right? Yeah. That's really interesting when you have like a blind test and people can just hear it. Yeah. And it's not that that, that, that these would be two different people doing different styles of commentary. Right. It was word it's by the word same the same thing. script. That's kind of disappointing too. And the thing is, when you have these kind of blind tests for the same exact material, the only difference is the gender of the voice. Yeah. But for some reason, and those, and and as well, uh, both were professional um, speakers. Yeah. So it was not that professional maybe that maybe the, the girl was was bad at reading this uh, passionately, etc. It was uh, b- both professional right. speakers and the script. That's. <clears throat> I want. I want to say things like, "Oh, that's so sexist. That's so disappointing." Yeah. But it actually is just an interesting fact that that is just the way the blind test went. Yeah, and I wonder what that really says about society as a whole because I'm—I don't think that I'm somebody who can hear a female voice on a topic and think anything about it at all. You know, like yeah. I listen to so many podcasts, and a lot of them are, of course, there's a handful that are just straight fact news, and a lot of them that are engaging true stories that are told over time that were researched over years. And then some of them are just comedy. And in all of those, I, I, th- I feel just as engaged and just as interested. I mean, of course, depending if I agree with what the journalist or what the entertainer is presenting. Yeah. For me, it's, for me, it's really, I mean, just the same with a film or with music. It's about the content. Yeah. Um, there are many, many female artists that I am heavily drawn to because of the style of the song. And for me, it's always about the text. Um, If their singing voice doesn't appeal to me, then that is just the timbre. It's just the tonality. It's not about the fact that it is a woman. And the same thing with the podcast too. Like um, there's a woman who um, works for This American Life. Um, There's several women that work for This American Life. And that's a podcast that I can get in and out of quite a lot. And there are a couple of the male voices that I like and some of the male voices I dislike because no. of the style. doesn't mean that their stories aren't interesting. I can, I can sit through a, an entire story that I find very engaging, even if the voice isn't my favorite. And same for female. There yeah. are some female voices that tell such engaging, amazing stories that I will obviously sit through. Like, I'll even download a whole series, like, yeah. you know, 10, 12 episode stories um, from a female voice, because for me, I don't know. It's interesting. Like I hadn't thought about people 
thinking that the female voice is less professional. For me, it's more about do they sound too nasally or yeah, do they sound a, but too... Yeah, but it's a psychological thing. Like because That's crazy. A lot of people still associate women with not being that qualified for right. certain topics like who are who are dominated by males like soccer or right. many sports like i had the case just a few weeks ago because have you heard of um doris burke no she's a basketball announcer for espn and she's within the the nba bubble in disney world and um has commentary on a lot of games and she will be the first um, woman in history to be an announcer in, I guess, conference finals and probably finals. The first woman in history. First one ever in its 2020. Yeah, but in NBA. So not WNBA in the NBA. Um, and Wait, not WNBA. Yeah, in the NBA. So in, male in the sports. official NBA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. WNBA is also official, but no, no, I meant, I meant, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. No, no, no I meant like, not like, I, th- I thought, yeah, for, yeah. I, I misheard you. No, I thought no, for no. a second, WNBA, we, we, yeah. but you mean not? Because I just added yeah. it because the WNBA obviously has female announcers. It's huge, yeah, yeah, of course. Since <laughs> it's it start um like in women's sports, it's more natural. In but you just in, meant like in our the broadcasting first fem- culture. Yeah, you just meant it's the first female commentator yeah, for the men's league. Exactly. Okay. okay for okay. the elite league, the NBA, world's right. best basketball. League. And that's so disappointing that she's the first one now. Yeah, and um, to that's crazy. How, how how as a as a recipient, how you what you think about is because um, I have heard um, quite some games um, which were which she was announced at. But um, not in a long while, or yeah, I, I didn't hear her in in quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then a f- few weeks ago, when I watched um, an NBA game mm-hmm. from the Atlanta bubble, and I heard her voice, I remember, oh yeah, there's this female announcer, Doris Burke. And I, um, when it comes to topics like that, I am a big feminist. Yeah, sure. And I and I I heard her voice, and I thought like, yeah, that is so great. And it's just so doing time that this happens. And she's 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 a great announcer besides her gender. Um, what's her uh, what's her voice like? Um, it's a deeper female voice. Mm-hmm. Has a super nice warm timbre to it. Um, no, but still, yeah. I like to hear her again. But still, in my head, for a second. It was weird because you're not used to hearing a female voice on the commentary of an NBA game. Of course, yeah. So you still have that kind of point. And I think because I... Are you sure her name is Doris Burke? Yeah. B-E-R-G? B-U-R-K-E. Oh! I thought you were Americanizing the word like bag. No, Doris They're like Burke. 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 Doris... B-U-R-K-E. Ah, now it's the first thing that comes up. Okay, uh, okay. Maybe I'll find a short clip of her voice. There you we go. Have some, something. I think I'm... I feel like I've seen her before. She's an American sports announcer and analyst for NBA on ESPN, NBA, and ABC. College basketball on ESPN. College basketball on ABC Games. She formerly worked as an analyst for WNBA Games on MSG and has worked on New York Knicks games. 
She's uh, 54 years there's old. There's one video I absolutely love. Um, Doris Burke with the handles while wearing heels. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, maybe we'll hear her. Oh, no. Shitty. Oh, her, this, oh, Shitty this is cool. This is cool. I could check your left hand. I know. <laughs> That's her with Obama. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> the first time I picked up a basketball, I was seven years old. You heard this voice? Yeah. I know that voice. And there was a basketball that... Yeah, that's her. And she's great. But still, it was unusual to hear a female voice. voice. And... Yeah, sure. I would say I'm... Um, I think about little things like this more actively because I... Obviously, <laughs> in a whole other part of the world in a very smaller way, but I work in the same kind of business... And so I think about things like who's doing the commentary where and right, who's the pros where and I and you yeah. kind of do analysis of an analysis of how people um, do their commentary, how they work as announcers, etc. So I think about this pretty active. But I know that there are a lot of people who just feel like um, and who are who might not be necessarily be bad people, but who are sexist in a way because they. Um, hear this female voice and they're not used to it Yeah. and they're like hey what is it I want to hear my I don't know <laughs> Jeff and Gandhi here on this game okay yeah and I think that that's still a big issue do you think it's because people got used to hearing male voices over the years because there was this kind of false belief that women weren't interested um, do you think like because because men okay because is men it, is it, a, is it a, a storytelling or was it within the US that um, women are not interest in, interested in such sports just yeah for sure I mean that's even that's even still this kind because of in, 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 in Europe it's more like they should not do it that's, they're just that's not, probably also in America they're just not yeah. made they're just um like I've I've done a, a little piece on, on on women's soccer, which is funny because in the U.S. women's soccer is even bigger than men's soccer. Oh really? Yeah. Um, but in in Europe, um, like reports about women's soccer from the sixties and seventies, and how they talked about women, like mm-hmm. who, how can this be that between making lunch and bringing the kids to school, this woman can play on this soccer pitch? They said that shit. Yeah. And it was it was like, like women are not. It was it was pretty straight offensive. It was not like yeah, yeah they're just not interested, which is still super mean. But it was people were open about it. No, you're a girl. Go do right. your things. Right. F- fulfill your part of the society. But this is not for you. Was that in your opinion? Was that more strictly Bavarian, like Southern Germany, or was that just a German mentality? No, I in think total? in 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 most parts of Europe. Most parts of Europe, okay. Yeah, for sure. There's all of Europe. I think it's kind of interesting, too, because when you think about, um, of course, all the famous sports announcers that I can't name right now, but the ones that I can picture their faces from the 60s onward from, you know, NFL games. But so, so I, t- I talked about women even practicing those sports. Yeah, you mean even yeah. like the athletes. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. But I, what I'm talking about is like, of course, the athletes themselves... Um, I didn't think too much about because it, it was funny. I didn't even think about the fact that they're in such different kind of specialized categories. But when we talk about announcers, no. um, 
I've I've seen Doris Burke before, but I didn't I didn't quite think about her. But I think my thought as kind of a naive kid was just that there weren't so many women interested, but my mentality was never that they don't belong there. I think I I think I just never kind of saw it that way. You know, my mom worked when I was a kid. Maybe that was something that kind of encouraged this more feminist mentality that like, well, of course they of course yep. they would do this and if they're interested they should do it. But of course, now I'm older and now I understand that there is so much imbalance and indifference and, um, you know, inequality in terms of no. where women can be in, in the industries that they love, you know, and how much money they're allowed to make. And it's really crazy to see no. that I'm actually, I shouldn't even be that surprised that it's that prevalent in any industry, no. you know? Yeah. And that's a, that's a big issue. We've come a long way from, uh, your original question, how I experience pressure. I forgot about it completely. Through, um, <laughs> I feel pressure um, through... Do you feel pressured because women are taking your job? <laughs> no, totally not. <laughs> totally not. Um, I'm just kidding. I mm, Sometimes it's even the other way around. Sometimes I think, okay, should I step down from some things to leave spaces um for for female colleagues you should t you sometimes consider stepping away from an opportunity because a, a woman deserves it um a woman I, had, no, no, I, I didn't have that many situations where i actively did this and and and, and brought that up um to, uh, to 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 disclaim that but um i work in a in a workplace where um there's i think way more Women working at there's at, a at the lot moment. of women at M95, um, and sometimes I feel like okay, should I? There were no situations yet where I really had to to choose about this, but I thought about it in some situations. Okay, should I step down from something to let a female colleague do this? You've had because, that experience before. Now I have those thoughts if I should do this at at some point because. I know that uh, women need more representation in media and that obviously that representation you cannot just build. There have to, men have to create those spaces and step down from, from certain, um, from public interest, from certain certain jobs, etc. Um, hmm. Because you cannot just say, okay, yeah, you will give your, you the representation you deserve and just create that. Yeah. That doesn't work. Um, yeah, and that's interesting, man. No, so but so I, 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 I didn't have a situation yet where I, where I was, where I had to to really um, consider this because there were no. Um, you weren't in the there place where you considered like actually turning it down. Yeah, because there the was thoughts. no no concurrence at that point. Right. So right, th right. Th it was not the situation where for 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 those for the, the <clears throat> for those moments where I thought about this, there were no female colleagues um, who would also have um, liked to to do this certain job or mm -hmm. whatever. So I didn't. I didn't. Um, really have to but I, th I think about it sometimes because i know men have to step down from certain positions etc right. to create spaces for women to get their representation 
Let me ask you this question, and maybe it maybe it's going to be pretty hard to answer, and maybe it's too personal, but let's say you're at this station, or let's say that perhaps you're, you know, several years in the future at, at whatever place you may be in your media work, maybe in, maybe another station or something, and you're in a, a position where you and a female colleague are up for the same promotion. Let's say that you and her both are um, equally as talented, equally as innovative, equally as creative, and you both have a, an interview the same day with the same boss. No. And you both have this exact same... I mean, this is almost almost a bit of a fantasy because at least in America, the the unfortunately, the woman maybe never has this chance. Yeah, but, you wouldn't get, even get the situation. But let's say like it's a bit of a fantasy... Um, which hopefully comes in more... In German media, it could happen, yeah. In Germany, it could yeah. happen. So let's say you're both up, for the, up the, for the same pay raise and promotion and opportunities yeah. at this job. You're sitting in these chairs side by side in this lobby, and you're both doing these one-on-one interviews with this um, with this boss of the department. Um, you know, do you, in that moment, do you think, okay, we're both of equal talent, and we're both equally deserving of this, does your brain see her so much so as an equal that you believe you should fight for that job the same way you would against a man? Or do you have a sense of guilt in the way that, of course, you're going to give your best material, but part of you almost wants the woman to get it? That's a, that's a tough one, I think. That is a tough question. That is a super tough one because there are certain certain factors to it we don't have to discuss in whole, but um, like if it would be a situation like I applied for a job and a, a woman who's um, it's the same qualification or whatever does as well, but for me is it is an existential decision about can I can I finance my life, etc. Right. Um, those are still fact. Those are no no excuses for anything, but those are still big factors. Maybe, maybe this is kind and of a let's, kind of a let's mean be honest. Question. Let, no, no, no. But but I, I want I want to get through this because let's be completely honest. I think nearly no one can totally live up to his ideals. But still, I think um, if this if this would be, I think the 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 most important. Um, thing about this for me would be is this a company or a workplace and a social environment where women are treated as equal as they can be where there is some form of equality within this this community of people who work there right. because I, I that's something I feel at the station where I work right now and I enjoy it and I, I learned you a lot through this. You feel the equality in my yeah, 4.5. For sure. Yeah, I do too when I go in there. Um, and then it's a situation where I would say, okay, I'm just going to do my best to get this for me. Yeah. If I know this is a situation where people are treated equal. Yeah. If I, if I, if I kind of knew that there could be some issues with that and that I might get a pay raise because... Um, I'm a male and I, <laughs> I am, I, for, from the boss's point of view, um, 
there are not he has not to worry about me being out because I have a child, etc. This could still happen. I think I would still do this if I had a child that I also take some time off my job. Yeah. But that's another topic. But from the spouse mind, okay, this is a woman who could be out because she gives childbirth, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. And because those are factors on which those people still make decisions and still rather hire men than women. And if I would feel something like that, right. I think I would feel so guilty and would and would turn it down you know you what i mean turn it down yeah even but that would you would turn if it down i felt if, if I you felt, felt that the opportunities weren't equal yeah if i felt that um i have a kind of advantage because of factors like that right which don't base on an idea of equality within this workplace or within this hiring process or whatever yeah I would like yeah. if you felt that when she walked in there, yeah. that the woman that you're competing against for this position yeah. didn't have the same opportunities as you. Yeah, you might be more likely to bomb that opportunity so that she may have a better chance. But in an idealistic world where her opportunities are exactly the same as yours, you would treat it as uh, as if you're competing with a man. Yeah, I would. I would. I would. Which just... I think, which I think, is the core of feminism in a way. Is like. It'd be great if she had exactly the same yeah. in every and we single could equally way. Equally, kind of quotation marks battle for this position. Right, you or could respectfully compete with an equal, which I think is yeah. really what the whole core of that whole thing is about. Is that yeah, it sure. should just be equal, and unfortunately, yeah. right now it's not. And in, in in every, I think almost in every single job. Yeah, and there are um, certain situations besides that because I feel those kind of situations at ninety four point five. Not when it when it's about some form of positions, um, or something, but more rather more likely when it comes to okay, who's gonna host this live stream, or this and that, and then I feel not that that women are not treated equal within the 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 process of choosing someone yeah. for those kind of jobs we have within our our program, but that that I still feel like I mentioned the story about the AD. The, German, mm -hmm. the, the public broadcasters, um, I feel that women are underrepresented in that field and yeah. that I can easily take it to, to host a show less or two or three to give women that opportunity to show themselves in front of cameras to, to be more, more present. exposure. And yeah. Exactly, yeah. And those are situations where I experience this in, my, in, the, in the station where I work at at the moment. I don't right. know how is it going to be with um in the future yeah yeah i mean that question was that question is really hard to answer and i think you did a really awesome job with it it's it's really it's difficult to say what things might be in the future and of course we're all hopeful that yep. this you know this conundrum of of equality in the workplace if it's even realistic for the future because it's been such a problem for so long but of course you know so so many people can can hope and kind of work at it and um i think it's a fair idea that you know the idealistic way to think about it is that hopefully one day there can be such a level of equality based on skill and experience alone and impression that you could compete equally with a female uh colleague or or even just a um 
uh, a female applicant yeah. the same way that you would if you saw, you know, another guy in the lobby yeah. thinking like, you know, maybe even just judging yeah. the way that you would against a competitor for any position, you know? But I think that's a really good way to think about it. You know, I think that's really, it's, it's a hard question and, and yeah, and it's I hard think, to think about. Yeah. And especially in media, because media has so much impact on so many other fields of community of societies. Right. Um, and there's one story I felt so super happy when I, because, um, for one and a half years, I was in charge for the the, the sports program on M ninety four point five from the, um, and I had to hire people for this kind of besides studies program, which I started with at M ninety four point five as as well, mm-hmm. which I did un- until last year, um, to work with us on and to get um, to get trainings and getting doing the first steps into media at M ninety four point five because that's what it's made for. Right. Um and I had to hire people there and for the and we hired people each semester of university, so twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um and the the two semesters before of that I could barely hire anyone and um only one girl and there were like two two women's uh, two women, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the two women's that's the party <laughs> two, two two women um in that whole in that sports department at yeah. all and like i know 10 men and at all i couldn't hire that, that many people and then it was yeah a year ago the the last time because i would quit this thing the last time i would hire new people for the sports department was october 19th so last year yeah um and I was able to hire five people, and it were five girls. And I was like, yes, fuck it. I like this. I yeah. really like this because they were all so, because I, I really was frustrated before that because I was like, okay, because I even had those, those thoughts. Is it like that more women don't have an interest in that? Or is it other factors? Are we, are, we making such a weird impression so that women don't like to work with us. Right. Et I thought about yeah. all of these things. And then really those five um, women applied for this, for these, um, for this, these, these jobs. Mm-hmm. And I could hire all five of them. That's amazing. And I was so happy with it because I was like, yes, those, besides the fact that, that, that they were w- women, Mm-hmm. They all were so good in, really this, good at the job. In, in, in this yeah. in this um, in this interview in this job interview, and it was like, yes, I could not have um, <laughs> given one of these women a no for the job because, and I and I fought for this because we have a limit of of how many people we can hire which in, within course, one semester, yeah. um, and we have a kind of we call it prügelrunde. It's like a. If you translate it What's like a prügelrun, prügel, <laughs> like, like a, like a, like a, a punching fight round. That's what you. Oh, okay. What yeah. they, what they, what they call it because um, each department has to fight over which people they can get and how many at all because we have this limit, like thirty people per semester. Right, or something. of course, yeah, the budget. And then I went into this um, meeting and said, "There's no discussion. There are five." girls between 18 and 22 
who are so hyped and so interested in doing sports journalism. Right. There are there are only a few women yet that have made it to the to the big stations in that yeah. fields and in front of cameras, in front of microphones, um, and doing documentaries, etc. And there are five at this point. We have to hire those five women because there yeah. need to be more, and we have the chance to be a little, little part, a little more progressive of a possible change within exactly. that whole system. That's amazing, man. Because that's yeah. the way I think you got to think about it. Because <laughs> those kind of problems won't won't solve themselves. And like I said, there. That's a great you point. You can't just say, okay, we'll give you your 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 space there and then you can have your representation there. Yeah. You guys in the States had those with Native Americans. <laughs> Obviously there was no was no <laughs> space left for them. And then they 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 built this kind of uh reservoirs. Right. Like, yeah, you can have your space there. But yeah. that does not mean representation within the state, etc. It's no, like the same it's really thing here. Up what they did to the yeah. Native Americans. And it's like the same thing here. You have to to create those spaces within your society, within your system, mm-hmm. and 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 um, let, in this case, women fulfill those those spaces and get those right. jobs. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You have to just. Yeah, you can't just create the new jobs and for create, them. You have yeah. to create the change. Yeah. You have to create the change and be be like kind of a leader in it, you know, and take the initiative and. and be the person it's kind of like it's this famous um i think it's gandhi but just like be the change you want to see in the world you know i think that's that's quite true gandhi or mandela that's we should we should build a whole whole quiz who said it gandhi or mandela i'm gonna put some money on gandhi for that one i think it's a pretty famous quote okay um you're gonna look it up Nope. Be the change you want to see in the world. I think that's. I think that's Gandhi. But man, I could be big wrong on that one. <laughs> um, wait Let's a second. And it is Gandhi. Yeah. Okay, I got another one. Um. We're gonna guess. We're gonna guess famous quotes here. Trust I seek, and I find in you every day for us something new. Open mind for a different view. Gandhi or Mandela? Oh, so it's only one of the two. Say it again. Trust I seek, and I find in you every day for us something new. Open mind for a different view. Sounds like Coldplay lyrics. Um. Mandela? Metallica. Oh! I knew, <laughs> Nothing I knew else it sounded like song <laughs> lyrics, man. I knew it sounded like song lyrics. <laughs> Sleep with one eye open. <laughs> Dude, Metallica sucks so bad in my opinion. I have nothing for this bad. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> You hate you wait. You don't like any Metallica. <laughs> no, none, nothing. Oh man, I, I, I've given them quite some chances <laughs> to entertain me, <laughs> but they failed big time. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't like anything new that they do, but I think I don't know. I mean, 
you don't like um, what's the what's the famous famous one like the sleep with one eye open one like keep in the world and the sandman exit light yeah yeah and tonight you mean this one do 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 <laughs> well, just because you can't play Metallica doesn't mean the Metallica's bad. Come on, you have to admit that's a good riff, though. It's a good riff. Do 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 That's that's the thing that annoys me so much. They have great ideas, but they mess them up. Okay, so, so what, many things what that don't I'm, you just like? We, about we talked them. about religions. It's like the idea is cool, but the execution is wrong. Yeah, it's like a cool okay. idea of rock and roll, but the execution is not of my taste. So what what don't you like about it? The singing. So Metallica the sucks. Change my mind. <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, was was that guy louder louder with Crowder? Is that the guy? That's, I think that's his show, right? Louder with Crowder. Oh man, um, you know what's funny? I don't know, but I don't like the singing. I don't like. The sound of, of of the guitars, most of the time. But they created thrash metal. They yeah. innovated that completely. Yeah, I think early Metallica has, like, I think they changed the game. But of course, it's not a band that I listen to, like, for my own pleasure. Of course not. But I, I respect what they did. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they consistently made great things. I don't think it's one of those bands that, like, Radiohead, that always pushes the envelope and like creates magic in a strange way every time. But I think like the early Metallica albums, I mean, they just changed. They just like really, they, I don't know. They really changed the game for a little while there. Yeah. I don't want to deny that they had, that they changed the game. So, and I, I still respect what they did, but what I was trying to say in a pretty polemic way, obviously, um, I mean, we both don't like Metallica, just be fair. No single Metallica song has made it to entertain me in any form. Yeah, that's fair. Do you feel the same way about Guns N' Roses? No. So you love Guns N' Roses? I would not say I love them, but I... I always had a big thing for Slash. Slash is Because is, I, grew is up, I grew up um, playing guitar and... With a with a with a friend of mine who was a huge Slash fan. He was a huge, huge fan. Huge. He was huge. He was a huge fan. He was a huge fan. Dude, I had a I had a friend in, in uh, when I was in high school. He's a huge coochie man. He was a huge fan. And a friend in high school, we we had like this band together, and he would. What was named? Dressed for the occasion. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, probably 15 or 16. It was like the okay. first thing. I didn't even know how to play guitar, nice. really. And I was playing, you know, like all these drop D riffs, like, and the drummer was like the main dude. And he would always blast Guns N' Roses in his garage and then play the drums along with it. Take me down to the paradise. Exactly, dude. This was the guy with a bandana around his forehead. Yeah. He would wear driving gloves ah. with the fingerless tips and go. Take me 
go down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Hey, take me home. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. He would do that whole fucking shit, man. Kyle Harvey. Kyle he was, Harvey. He was, he was, he's named Kyle, plus he wore a headband. He wore a headband and fingerless gloves, and he, had, and he had the emo hair where the hair what, would come down his, over the his, eye. What was his diet like? Beef jerky and monster energy? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not too far <laughs> off. The funny thing about Kyle was, I don't know what his situation is with his parents now. I don't want to, like, speak too mean about him because we were good friends. Okay. But um, his parents, I think he was my age. He was, like, 8, 16. Uh, he was, like, older than me. I was 16. He was, like, 18. But his parents were easily in their 60s. Okay. And. Yeah, but that's. Uh, yeah. Um, quick fun fact. The parents of my girlfriend are the same, round about the same age of my grandparents from my mother's side. Which is in their 60s. Late 60s. I think that's... Late 60s, around 70. No, that's going to be the same thing for your sister. When she's in her 20s, your parents are going to be in their late 60s. Yeah, exactly. Or late teens, late teens. I don't know. How old is she? She's 20... Who? Your girlfriend. 22. She's also 22. Okay, okay. So, let's say your sister's six? Since today. She's six today. What's her name again? Julia. Julia, right, sorry. So, Julia's six. So, that means in 2040, she's going to be 26. And your mom is going to be 65. Four. 64. She's going to be 64. Okay, she's going to be early 60s. Okay. And your dad's going to be 67. He's going to be late 60s. Yeah, kind of, kind of kind of, the same situation, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But his parents were old. Kyle's parents were old. Is, is your girlfriend, is she a single child? No, she has a sister who is, I guess, 18 months older. I can't believe her parents waited until they were in their 40s to have two kids. I'm not sure about all of those details, but to get back to Kyle, his parents were old. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't... What's the story about that? I don't know so much about his dad, actually. I, I don't even know if I met him or if he wasn't even around but anymore. But was his dad a Guns N' Roses fan? The thing is, I think he just found this pleasure in that band, aside <laughs> from his parents being so old. His mom was the one who was around the most, and she was easily... 65 66 but to be fair she might have been younger i'm pretty sure she was that old because everyone noticed it but on top of that she ravaged cigarettes and beer every day okay so she could have just been like 38 (laughs) but no she looked she was really 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 old she just looked so old she wore like she just wore t-shirts and jeans every single day no And, uh, yeah, we would hang out in Kyle's base, not not his basement, his garage. And yeah, he would play the drums. He would like blast Guns N' Roses and, and, and try and get these, these songs down. And then I I just remember like one or two rehearsals with this band and I'm using quotations here because it was just such a garbage attempt at a band, but dressed for the occasion, DFTO. But you're playing kind of harder stuff, so. Yeah, I would I would play the rhythm guitar, so I would just choose, you know, like down go down go down go down go down 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 go down. Just like these simple things you can play with two fingers, you know, up and down the neck. 
And then there was this one guy, this one guy who had practiced guitar, like he had studied it and he had been trained and stuff since he was like seven. And then he would, he would on top of it would just go like, he would would shred on it. He would shred like a fucking asshole. And there was one point where we do tapping because assholes are tapping everything, everything. And there was one rehearsal where we stopped and we asked him, uh, Hey man, do you, do you want to like, maybe like cool down on the shredding and maybe just, you know, find like, Something that just you know simpler that suits the song. You know, was like he as a, well like twelve decibels louder than the rest of the band? Yes, for his, sure. His amp went to eleven exactly, and we just had to ask him one time if if he wanted to simplify things, and his real answer to us was, "What's the point of learning guitar if you don't want to show off?" <laughs> and there I was like, "Gang, gang, 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 gang." But he's kind of he's kind of right in some. I mean, I like showing the top of my ability, yeah. but I also understand when you should keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't <laughs> know that at all. <laughs> it was so bad. Should we take a little break here and get a glass of wine? Um, that's not that bad. I got a pee as well. All right, let's take a Perfect. little pee break. We'll be right back. Okay, my friend, I think we have taken this podcast as far as we can go. And I have to say, Dude, I think we've I've, covered a lot of amazing <laughs> topics today. I've already got in trouble um, at the station talking about why are your episodes so long. And I still, <laughs> I think we should, um, it's great that you take that many notes because we, I think we could still record for another two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. But... Um, we won't do that because of you, so you can enjoy more artsness and fartsness if you enjoy it. But if you would not enjoy it, I think you you would have stopped listening. You wouldn't about, be at this point two hours ago in the episode. <laughs> so um, thanks a lot for everyone who is listening, and a yeah. quick reminder that you still can send Mr. Jordan Prince on Instagram at Jordan Prince. Or any you, song or even at Fartsy or even at at You could. That's right. Anyway, yeah. guys, you you could uh, send wishes. You could choose. Yeah, if a you song. if you if you show us that you've shared the episode or attempted to share the episode with three new friends, then if you request a song, you can DM me at Jordan Prince or the show at Artsy Fartsy Immigrants, um, and. We'll, you know, I will take that cover song and try and perform it in the main feed. We did one today. And you'll get a personal message with it. That's right. I can highly recommend Usher tunes. Which one? Songs from Usher. Usher. (laughs) I can. Or anything Bieber-y. Yeah, the good thing is I can really only do Usher or Bieber songs. (laughs) So if you can stay within my range, that'd be great. Um, but no, this, this has been really fun, man. I think we talked about a lot of really good, interesting things. And I, of course, I loved that Guy spent time with me today to talk about his work and his life in Lisbon. And um, I really hope you enjoyed it, too. If you liked today's show, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to the show and please give us a good rate or review or a comment. You have no idea how great and helpful these things are for new listeners on these um, on these programs to find us. It really helps a lot more than you think, or even just by word of mouth. Just tell a friend. 
about us. It really helps a lot. Um, and what's the other thing I always say? If you have any form of feedback for us, yeah. send us an email to podcast at m945.de or if you're a Russian sex bot, I got um, one request today by an account who says, I love anal. Just text on Instagram, slide into our DMs <laughs> at artsy fartsy immigrants. That's right. Thank you so much. And uh, hey, guys, have a great day. Bye bye. Look at baby, the saints are coming through. And it's all over now, baby blue. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider. Produziert für M94.5.